When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the 36th episode of Tales of Tamriel. I am Majelos, your lovable Nordic host. And with me this afternoon, TJ herself. <laughs> How you doing, TJ? I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's awesome. The reason he's calling me TJ is because apparently men marry women like their mothers. And his mother's name is Tina. So he's been calling me Tina Jr. all day. That's right. So there you go. So yes, they East is here, and you may also call her TJ. I will give, you know, gold to people who call her TJ in-game. Oh, that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> also joining us, the man with the plan, ruler of all the dirty elves, Deltia of Deltia's Gaming. How are you today, good sir? Two up, one down. All right. <laughs> Very good. Glad to be back. Excellent. All right. I also want to give a special thanks to a fan of the show, Kilted Piper, for his donation. Thank you so much for your support. It really does mean a lot to us. Thank you for being a fan of the show. And I know all of us here uh, agree with this, but without people like you and, you know, all the fans in the show, uh, you know, you guys make it worth us doing this. We love doing it for the community. We love your interaction. It's fantastic. So thank you so much for helping support us. All right. Well, now it's time to get in the show because we have a lot to go over. Um, first up, in-game news. Patch 1.4.5 dropped on Monday, and that is a small incremental patch that addressed a number of issues, including audio dropouts, ugh, itemization, crafting UI errors, and a handful of gameplay issues. Generally speaking, this one wasn't actually a huge patch. It's just some things that needed fixed uh such as an issue where you could lose sounds on your character after you made after you fast traveled in cyrodiil uh, and of course they did fix the unusual running man manner with uh restoration staff even though some people said what? we really should keep that i want the restoration butt run come on i think that's what they one of the things they fixed was the uh butt run oh, the butt run is now removed so yeah sorry about that guys um the other thing is that it was a slight nerf to Restoration Staff, even though it's not really a nerf, it was something they fixed because they removed it in uh, Update 4, um, but it was still doing its damage. The Circle of Life, they fixed an issue with this passive uh, where it was still increasing your damage. We have removed the damage increase, and using this passive will now correctly only increase your Magicka Restore, so uh, no more 
single target superb DPS coming from Restoration Staff. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. Otherwise, there wasn't a whole bunch to this patch, but if you're curious about any of these patch notes, you can check them out on the official Elder Scrolls Online forums. Uh, next up on uh, game news. So, uh, ESO loyalty program happened, and I got a High Hrothgar pet. Deltia, did you get yours? Oh, yeah, I got it. How long did it take you to get it? Because I know when I logged in, I had it, and you're like, what, did you get it already? How'd you get it? Yeah, it took a bit since I played this game religiously and hadn't logged off in like, you know, five hours. I had to relog, and then it was in the mail. So it was just one of those things. Nice, nice. And TJ? Mine <laughs> <laughs> oh is still God. sitting in my mail because I don't have a place for it, and my bank is full, and my character's full. So it's well, you might want to get out because doesn't it delete after 30 days? Yeah, but why, why wouldn't I get it out before 30 days? I don't know. Because you forgot about it? I didn't. If I forgot about it, I would have mentioned it. Oh well, that's only because I mentioned the loyalty program. But okay. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. All right. If I were you, remind me later, and okay. I'll make sure I get it out. Worst case scenario, get on an alt, grab it on there, and hold it on. The, just don't delete them. Oh yeah, go do that. Yeah. All right, cool. <gasps> yeah. So uh, yeah, this is the start of the ESO loyalty program for subscribers. The longer you are subscribed, the more rewards you will get. So I'm kind of curious to see what the next thing's gonna be. Um, I'm hoping for a mount. That would be cool. Oh, yeah. New mount. Or that dog pet that Deltia wants. Oh, oh, man. I'd go, <laughs> I'd go bananas over that. <laughs> I just want the dog. I want a dog, bro. If only, if I could have bought it on Steam for the dog and then just oh, transferred and applied, yeah. I would have done it. No too. problem. No but problem. I would have bought account. it. <laughs> They're <laughs> like, no, no, it only works on Steam, so it'd be a separate. I'm like, no, no, I want it to follow my guy now. If I, I will give you the money, yeah, so I can apply the code. <laughs> Something. Yeah. All right. Next up on uh, game news. This is going to be kind of interesting, but uh, regular maintenance, maintenance window, maintenance, maintenance window. <laughs> is officially down to one day a week. So starting immediately, they will be removing the second maintenance window. That's Thursdays for the North American Mega Server and Friday for the European Mega Server. But they will be keeping the maintenance window at the beginning of the week, Monday for North America and Tuesday for the European Mega Server. So that's kind of cool. Um, I guess they kind of got most of their stuff down. They can do everything within one maintenance period now, unless it's emergency, of course, so... That's uh, that's exciting because I know Delty. I've seen a couple of your tweets every once in a while. Going great, I want to play, and it's down because. Well, when you live on this game, you know <laughs> there's no, there's no good time for maintenance. Yeah, I'm always at work, so I'm like, oh, all right. Oh, well, this is see. I'm glad they keep Monday because Monday's my hardest day to get going to work, and I log into the game every Monday morning just you know check my mail, get your crafters yeah, out, yeah. yeah. But I know it's time to leave for work when the server goes down. <laughs> That's the only way I know yeah. how to leave the house. <laughs> well, the server goes, oh, yeah. time to leave now. I guess I should... Uh, I got nothing else to do. Right? I got nothing else to do. I might as well go to work. So, yeah. But, yeah. That's pretty cool. I'm glad they got it down because two... Not that I minded so much, but some people I know were complaining about having two. Especially people who work, like, night shift and only played in the morning. This kind of ate into their play time during the week. All right. Let's see here. Okay, next up on the uh, game news, new Battlemaster Corner, Blue Flame Battle Mage. That's okay, can I go? Yeah, it's all you, man. Love this one. 
I love this build. I love this build more than my lightning tornado build. This was awesome. Great idea. You can tell this person really knows their class because there's one particular part that a lot of people don't think about when they, in terms of Dragonites, why they're so powerful, is that you get stamina, magic, and health back based on the amount of ultimate you use. So they have Ice Comet, which I would have picked like Warhorn or something else, but the same principle applies. So they're doing double restoration staff and resto on DPS and then also healing on a restoration staff. Had a really good setup with abilities. I thought they had a lot of utility and still could do a lot of damage. I wouldn't have gone too heavy, though. Uh, they were using 5 light too heavy. But the premise is cool. I really like this build. It was, I, it was unique, different, and effective, which is hard to get. It's not a cookie cutter, but yet... It can do some things. So I thought this build was really cool. The picture was awesome. The idea, the name, the premise. I like this sort of stuff. So I think it was a great idea. And pulling more of these things from the community. Love it. So good job on this selection. Wow. I, uh, a little surprise. This is one of like the first ones that had a positive review from you. I love it. It was just, I could tell the person's writing that they knew their class. They knew it. And... They did something different, but yet it still works. And they explained why it still works. It's just, you know, you can't just put a few abilities together and say, yeah, I kill stuff. Well, yeah. why? And explaining that and explaining one little nuance that no one really thinks about, that's powerful. And they center around that. It was really cool. Sweet. But one thing I actually did like about this is um, they had a sideboard spells section on, one, on their yeah. DPS side where they kind of like, this is what I normally run with. But here are my situational spells where, depending yep. on what I'm going into, this is what I use. And I thought that was kind of neat because a lot of builds generally, you know, they only do the five and five and the ultimate, whatever. Um, but they're like, yeah, this is my build. This is what I do. But this guy's like, this is my build. But in specific situations, I switch out these abilities because these ones are more useful. So they don't have to essentially switch builds. They're like, this is my build for all play. And these are my, you know, backup spells when it when it warrants it. Right. Um, yeah. Nice build. I actually, I kind of like the little role play section at the top too. Neat for the little role players. Yeah, it looks cool too. I mean, I just, I thought it was a real, well done. And it wasn't too much information that got to the point and it made sense. So it was good. Well, this is one game where I fully support role players because the lore is amazing. So I, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really get it myself, like, so I, that's not my thing. But, you know, for those who do, this is the perfect game for you to just kind of lose yourself in the game and create your own content, you know? It really is. And plus, I mean, technically speaking, you can argue over the lore because no one's really right, because no one really knows what the right answer is. Well, it's kind of like <laughs> history. I mean, in, in real life and history, it's like, you know, they go back and revise it every other week, it seems like. So it. All the stories and stuff like that, they're probably somewhat true. All of them a little bit have their own little version. And same just like this. It's like, well, you know, when was that? What about Talos? Was he really a god or a dude or whatever? And I, I don't know. It's cool. I like I, the lore is fascinating because of the gods and the myth. I like the god factor in this game and that they interact with the players. That's what that's why I love this series and franchise is the gods. They're mm -hmm. so unique. They're so unique. They carry on human characteristics, and that's what really makes this game different and fascinating. And depending on the culture from which you look at it, the gods may have they like 
in particular, one of my favorite to look at is uh, Akatosh and uh, Lorcan. Even though Lorcan's not really one of the vines, he was one of the original spirits that created the world. Those are the only two that appear in all Tamrielic religions. But it's funny oh, how yeah, they're all different. Yeah, Dunmer yeah. have their own. Yeah. Um, I love my favorite is the Khajiit because Akatosh is the great dragon cat king of time or something like that. They always have to have cat in there, so it's the great dragon cat of time. <laughs> gotta love the khajiit all right off that little rabbit trail we're gonna move on to the next section and uh ace how much do you want money right now uh very much yeah uh, yeah yes a bunch of it L- lots of it because there's a new heroes of tamriel statue out the high elf even though i you know high elf uh, i don't know it looks, it looks cool though yeah it, it looks does. sick it, it really does this follows the same uh vein as the archer that we saw from the uh, cinematics, but now this is the High Elf Lady. There are, let's see here, oh my, there's only a 1,000 standard edition and 500 of the exclusive editions available. Difference being is the exclusive edition, the little spell she has in her hand has like an LED in it, so it lights up with that little green little light flame ball thing she's got going on. But yeah, yeah, if you're interested, you could check out either the official bethesda merchandise store or you can get go to gaming heads and get it as well however that being said let's see here i'm trying to look at the price this is deposit item only yeah it's a nuts retail price for the standard edition is 310 dollars you know and i messaged them i mean i don't know if they read it or not but i was like you know i really think this stuff's cool but we need a little bit more i mean price conscious items it can't i mean I can't afford this all the time. Like the hoodies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's really cool. Cause 40, 50 bucks. I can drop that every once in a while, but I mean, I can't even buy one of these once a year. I mean, that's like, you know, three years of subbing right there or two years. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's a little too much. I mean, I don't know. And I mean, I get it with the whole, what they're trying to do with the limited edition kind of stuff. You do get one. That's great. Um, I don't mind these in between, but yeah, like things that I like, well, my goodness right now, well, she was wearing a ESO hoodie and I'm wearing actually my elder scrolls t-shirt right now. I bought one of those. Um, but yeah, like I like some of their other physical swag, but yeah, these are one of those things that's just out of my price range. Like I wouldn't want to spend this much money on this type of thing where I could put it in other locations. Well, I'd love it against my, the back wall on my little stream and stuff, but, um, I just don't have three grand to keep buying them all. <laughs> you know what I mean? If anyone wants to donate to us, you know. DeltiusGaming.com. No. <laughs> exactly. You can. You, we do not only just accept cash donations. These little presents right here. We just love the. No, just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. that's fine. We're fine with that. All right. But that being said, if you do got a little bit of extra, you know, cheddar in your wallet. That's what I said, cheddar. You may go out and purchase these or at least put a deposit on them. They are really cool. And to be honest, I wish I could afford them because I would have loved to got the exclusive editions of all three of them. Oh, they, man, that would be so sick. Have, have in the background in a glass case. Like, just, oh, that would be so cool. That would be cool. Um, yeah. But we're, oh. poor, ga- we're poor gamers. So we are. That's, but that's speaking fine. of uh, chat room, uh, Steldian says, Ag had to buy an ESO t-shirt because Deltian never gave him one of his shirts. Oh, okay. Hold on. Oh, let, let's stop. Okay, these t-shirt thing. Now, <laughs> I was trying to find out. There's actually places that you can, you don't have to pre-order them, and then they just like ship them out to your customers. It's like booster 
boost up or something like that. So I'm going to get the account set up that way. Like to support the site, you could buy a shirt if you wanted. And I mean, I'm not going to make like a huge profit or anything, but like a couple bucks. So I'm going to look at it, do that because otherwise I have to front up a lot of money to make those and ship them. And it costs a lot of money, but um, I'm working on that. Believe me, I want more Deltius gaming shirts out there. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, well, enough making Deltia feel bad. Let's go ahead and move Aww. on to the next bit of news. Yeah, I know. We're trying to get through the news fairly quickly because we got a lot to talk about in the discussion topic. Oh, um, news. Come on. News. Dude, party. Party Pyro. Can we talk, Can we go there? We're getting there. We're getting there. Oh, come on. I want to get... All right, go. Oh, all right, the next part we're just going to skip over. There's another guild spotlight. Das guild. or something again. Das Boot. I mean, come on, Germans. What's up? Das Boot. <laughs> Dos nets. Okay. Das boot. I mean, come das on. Boot. My goodness. Das nets. Yes. Anyway, there's another German guild out there. Das nets. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> They're a multi-gaming community, so feel free to check them out. Uh, been around since 2011. They have communities in. Oh my! They did it right before Swotor. Ah, I'm sorry about that. But they do have gaming communities in uh, Secret World, Guild Wars 2, Final Fantasy, A Realm Reborn. Um, Secret World's still a game? That's still a thing? Secret World's still a thing? I think it's a niche thing, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, About as niche as Wildstar. And hey, they got something there too. (laughs) That is so wrong. It's only true. Server merge! Server merge! Okay, sorry. We gotta get to the news, sorry. We do gotta get to the news. All right. Next up is there were some complaints when update four came out. Uh, really? About, yeah. Well, the PTS on testing, I guess I should say. A lot of people are saying they were having hard times testing because when you got the pre-made character, you only had the gear. Yeah, they gave you all the best gear, but it was gear from trials. It may not have had the best uh, the best stats on it or whatever you would want, and there was no crafting in the game, like because you couldn't learn it all in one character they now did a direct copy of all of our north american characters over to the pts so that's on the north american meg server anyway so the pts will have our characters on it and this was as of oh what was the date they had it on here dear goodness they won't do this too often but they're going to try to do it probably between every large update patch so they're just going to take a giant copy of all of our characters and throw it over to the pts that way you have it at start and if you have characters that are crafters and etc you can make that good gear that you had going into it you well, know it's not I mean? only that it's i mean it's a lot of the passives and then like vampire and stuff that didn't factor in that so no. you got to go get a vamp bite and you i mean there's a lot of things that really didn't represent your character well. Fighters Guild wasn't leveled up, so like while I it's had Dawnbreaker, it wasn't flawless Dawnbreaker, so that's yep. 13% extra damage. That's a lot. The numbers That's true. So there was that. So that's that's a step in the right direction. It's it's not a pre-made character like you know, you can't copy your live character over whenever you want, but it they are doing it every once in a while, um, every time a new update's available. So you should have your character available if you decide to test with your character. And I know a lot of people who have VR14s probably are going to do that because they're probably already decked out and ready to roll. 
All right. The last bit of news. Adventures Handbook, issue number 10. Yeah, that happened. So first up, what, what was the first one, Deltia? Well, uh, it was Ello's one. It was the first one, right? Or no, was no, it? no. It's oh, the first one you were saying, hey, let's move on so I can talk about it. Okay, yeah. So Party Paro, uh, author on the site here, um, PvP guy, one of his guides got published on the Adventurer's Handbook, which is really awesome. He's been doing a really good job. He really knows PvP a lot and is passionate about writing. His style is way different than mine. It's really funny and comical, but goal-oriented. And um, it was nice seeing that he got some recognition because his information is valid. And like it goes to show, you know, anyone can get on this on this thing that they're really focusing on different members of the community. It's not just me or two other people writing guides. There's a lot of people doing this. So I was really excited for him to get on there. And it's great for the site too. A lot of people go see his work. And, um, you know, if you're looking to get into Cyrodiil, it is tough to start, but go look at some of his, his writing. I mean, he's, he's figuring it out for you. So you don't have to go through all that hard stuff and you can cut the chase and make it just the fun part. Absolutely. There's a lot of great people in this community, so I'm really glad they do these kind of things to try to highlight out. I know we do it as well, try to get the community out there, but it's nice to see the official the official Zenimax is doing this as well. Next up, if you're wondering how to find all those hard-to-get collectible achievements, there is a form member that's working to compile a list of as many of the elusive items as possible, as long with where you can find them. Now, this is over on the official Elder Scrolls forum, so feel free to go out there and check it out. There's a link in this particular article, so you can go there. And last but not least, another uh, content provider for the community, Aloha, has been creating lots of ESO videos, and I've been watching these for a good long time. Um, but she, I guess she's doing an ongoing series of all the stories of the dungeons, like Volenfell, Aiden Hollow, Darkshade Caverns, etc., etc. So. Yeah. Check them out. Uh, her her video quality is really good. I like it. Yeah, she does a really good job. And covers a lot of different games, but she's you know got a lot of stuff on other scrolls. So if you haven't checked her stuff out, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna move on to our next topic, or not our next topic. It is our discussion topic time. Our host rant, but it's not really gonna be host rant because most of this is gonna be kind of exciting. Because uh, if you guys didn't know, there was an ESO Guild Summit that was held by Zenimax, where Zenimax invited a lot of people from a lot of the top guilds in the game to come down to their studios, and they had a little presentation for them and things they're talking about. Now, what we're going to do here is, because this is a fairly long, long thing, it was spread over two days, lots of stuff, we're actually going to split this topic out into two separate um Two separate shows. So this show is going to be on day one. We're going to talk about all the stuff that was in day one, which includes, as I'm pulling up here, combat responsiveness, crafting and collections, PvP, and the champion system. Now next week what we're going to do is we're going to go through the second half of the ESO Guild Summit and talk about gameplay and itemization, writing and lore, zones and content, and the justice system. I just felt like we weren't going to have be able to cover all of it in one show effectively because there's a few big topics in each one that i'm i know we're going to want to spend some time on so i guess first things first 
I think what we'll do is we're going to read through each section, then we're going to go around. And I'm going to let Thais do the reading if you feel up to it. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm just Yeah, all the way up to just this section right here. Okay. Combat responsiveness. Our first presentation for the day was led by Jared Carr, ESO art director and various members of the art and animation team. They focused on highlighting both the current state of game animations as well as future enhancements that are already underway. The presenters emphasized their work on improving the general combat experience, animation, and flow of combat. Attack animations. The team highlighted their goals to improve the rec... The rec Recognizability. Oh, thank you, babe. Of character and weapon silhouettes. Enhance the visual information that players have about what's happening with their character's actions. Smoothing animation flow. And clearly communicating attack windows. The team has developed new and much improved weapon attack animations that flow much more smoothly during combat. The video showcased the following. Clear but natural pauses indicating next attack opportunity. Feel of weight behind swings. Visual points of resistance on impact. Dual-wield looks, the most improved of the three melee choices. Flow of staff attacks and channels. Unique stances and animation variations for each staff type. Lightning-based heavy attack looks cool. Obvious when you don't have a target. There's still work to do on improving flow with mixing in abilities. And this last part right here. Particle effects and weapon swap timing. These systems were recently added to the live game, but still room for improvement. Particle culling is currently prioritized by range slider, but possibility of culling on alternative criteria like effect type priority. Okay. Now there were also a little bit of Q&A stuff in here. Let's let's go ahead and go right through the Q&A, and then we'll talk about this. Uh, the combat animation questions. So regarding the performance impact of new graphical and particle behaviors. Some Zoss designers shared a few performance enhancement suggestions. Close your patcher while playing. Disable hardware acceleration in open web browsers. Make sure to update video drivers. And disable any add-ons to verify the lag crashes occur in base client. Okay. Uh, the next question, um, they... He just summarized. This is, again, by Tropos as well, so he was writing this down quickly. Um, there was a question asked about the role of animation canceling, which is, of course, our favorite topic. <laughs> animation and attack priority is currently driven by gameplay mechanics, and animation design is created by support is created to support the gameplay features. Animation canceling with macro usage is cheating, but the way that attacks currently interact is intended, but will hopefully be improved in the future. Uh, the role of blocking and block priority, the current meta is permanently blocking while using abilities. Blocking is the most important and or significant action that players can take in combat, but currently the prioritization system and the way that blocking interacts with ability usage is something that Zenimax are looking into improving soon. Okay. Feedback and cues while using first person perspective. Zoss is working to greatly improve the information presented to players while in first person perspective to make this view more feasible to use. Okay. 
Uh, let's see, we've got two more questions here that were asked. The potential relaxation of API restrictions for player feedback. Now, that's a hot button topic. There are a lot of considerations involved in loosening the API because the biggest priority is to prevent their potential exploitation by malicious add-ons or third-party programs. Zoss is working on identifying the biggest deficiencies of the default UI and considering alternative ways to improve them. Sounds like kind of like a little bit of a political answer, don't you think? Yeah, but I mean, that's, you know, yeah. they got to be careful. They don't want this game turning back into botting. Yeah. And last question was the possibility of increasing uh, the bass in combat audio, particularly to indicate heavier hits or more significant sources of damage. Currently, ESO is very, as they put, treble compared to other action combat games. They will get the audio guys on it. Nice. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about combat response. And now that we heard this, um, let's go around the corner. What do you feel about combat response in the game as a whole? Just give a brief synopsis of how you feel it is in the in the game currently compared to other games. And uh, TJ goes first. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. Yeah, go ahead, TJ. I currently feel like it could use a lot of improvement. So this right here is... It makes me very happy to see that they're they're working on it, which which I thoroughly enjoy. The weapon swapping has gotten better. I can now quickly switch between doing damage and healing Ag when he almost dies, which is quite frequently. So that's that's certainly gotten better. Now, even though I don't use a heavy weapon, I still do feel like sometimes my animations are clunky, that they don't really flow between doing this move and that move. When I do my I, I can never think of what my moves names are called. That impulse. Surge? Impulse. Oh, impulse. When I do my impulse into my yeah, lightning slide. strike thing, that they they mesh well together. But going from using my regular ability into an action ability, those they don't really it looks kind of funky. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm happy about this. Okay, uh, Delty, how about you? Um, and in comparison to other games, I never played Guild Wars 2, which is kind of like a block game. So in other MMOs, there is no block mechanic. You know, it's just you click five buttons, and that's for 30 buttons, depending on your build. But I think it's gotten a lot better. There's a lot of room for improvement, especially with the animation counseling and, like, what is considered a heavy attack. Sometimes it's deceptive if you actually get Magicka back or Stamina, depending on which with anger using there's a lot of ways to cheese it and people are always going to use macros you can't get away from that but um i think still weapon swapping could use a little bit more um i'm still get bugged out a lot of times in cyrodiil like i'll smash a key and it won't go for a good 30 seconds sometimes so yeah, it has a lot of room to grow but then again it's pretty complex too so i'm willing to give them some time on this they they're adamantly trying to do it so that's fine sure um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to kind of piggyback off Delta a little bit as well. Um, animation canceling, I, I don't know. I still don't think it, it looks real, real good. Cause I've seen some animation canceling and your character looks like it gets stuck. My favorite is my werewolf bug. Like I get stuck in the werewolf form a lot. If I get interrupted while transforming, it's kind of crazy actually. Um, his character just looks like he's in immense pain. Yeah, yeah. As for like some of the things, it's really hard to tell the difference between a light and a heavy attack, depending on. Like, I use a two handed greatsword almost exclusively while I'm actually playing. And 
it's hard to tell the difference if i didn't have like ftc up to tell me if it was a light or a heavy attack i really wouldn't know it it, it doesn't it doesn't really mesh well it doesn't but a light attack is just a click a heavy attack is a hold yeah but how, how is that hard to determine that there's, there's different heavy attacks there's visually. different heavy attacks it might register as a heavy attack on FTC, but it might not give you magic back. For mm -hmm. instance, if you fire off an ability, and then a split second after you click, let's say, I don't know, um, Crystal Frags. So you do Crystal Frags. It's charging, goes. Then you hold down a heavy, and then you click your block button. It'll fire off a heavy, but you won't get Magicka back. Take that exact same example. You do Crystal Frags. It actually goes, and you charge up the heavy the whole time. And then it actually self goes, it self projects. Then it'll register still as a heavy attack, and you'll get the magic back. So it's confusing to what is the definition of a full heavy attack. I agree, it definitely is. And I, I've been trying to watch, and sometimes I'm holding the mouse button in and letting it go a little too early, and it looks like it registers the damage of a heavy attack, but I don't get the magicka because it's right. not a fully charged one. And then some weapons like automatically go, like the, um, what is it, the destruction staff, I just hold down my attack button, it'll rip it out. But if you're using a bow, then you kind of screw yourself over once in a while, because sometimes you'll get the full heavy, sometimes you won't, and you won't get the stamina back. So it's really, it's some weapons have advantages, I'll just say that. Hmm, definitely, yeah, there are some weird things in it. Um I was trying to think there was something else I really wanted to say about it, but it, it's drawing a blank on me now. But it, they definitely need to improve the comp. And, of course, this will happen over time a little bit. As it gets a little better, things will flow a little bit. But some of the things, especially when you're switching, I think combat... Like, this is this goes back to animation canceling, which is why I don't like it. There needs to be a little bit of flow between... If I'm doing a heavy attack, they need to fix the animation that I go through the heavy attack... And then it moves into the next animation, not just breaks. Like if I'm doing puncturing sweeps and I switch to something else, my character does a weird like almost like it stops and then swings because it just breaks the animation early and it just looks a little weird. And I, I don't like that too much. So I think they really need to work on the flow of animations. When you're doing animation, they need to flow them together, cue them together. I don't know how they'll do that, but that'd be kind of interesting. Uh, weapon swapping, of course, there are a little bit of bugs going forth with it, and uh, sometimes. Mine always seems to work very well. It goes quick, but for me, I notice sometimes where I would hit it, and I actually do get a lag, um, where my character's stuck within like no weapon for like half a second before it re-registers. It's supposed to be an instant weapon swap, but my character literally gets stuck. The only problem I've noticed is my weapon will swap extremely quickly but then i can't use a skill for about half a second yeah yeah that's that's the stuck i'm talking about like it even though they're like yeah it's instant weapon swapping if i'm still waiting half a second to use the abilities because it's locked for whatever reason it's not instant it's not instant weapon swap it's it's just not it never will be i mean there's going to be that's why my bar one my primary bar i have to have reliability that just assume you're not going to be able to get to your second bar at some point because it will happen. And the moment you need it most, you won't be able to do it. This is the moment it bugs out on you. That's and you the can't it. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, does anyone have anything else they want to talk about with an or uh, combat responsiveness and uh, no. attack animations? Okay. They, 
face. The, the, out of the list right there, the one thing that seems to really excite me is unique stances and animation <laughs> variations for each staff type. That, that to me just... That excites you. It does. Yeah, I think it'd be neat. It'll add a, like you know more variety. It would be kind of neat when you see people. Uh, well, I guess I know you'll see people attacking all the time, but with uh, the calling of attacks, if they do have a unique stance, you'll be able to tell what kind of weapon they're using just by the animation of how they're standing with the weapon or how they're using it. Because right now it's really bland. Everybody stands exactly the same. Everybody's hunched over. Like it's just it's bland. The Hunchback so, of Elder Scrolls? Yes, that. Thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah. Nice. The Hunchback of Elder Staves Online. Elder Staves Online. That's yeah. what happens. And well, that's the problem. Everyone's carrying so many staves around. They're kind of hunched over from the weight. That's yeah, the there's no, you can't carry anything else around. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> Nothing else works. All right, we're going to move on to the next section here. And let's see. Oh, my. There's going to be... Qu- All right, let's, let's hit up each little thing individually. So the system design... Uh, was led by Phil Draven, who discussed some of the upcoming changes to game systems, which largely involve world interactivity, player activities, and guilds. So, why don't you just read this part right here, and we'll talk about it. Okay, crafting improvements. Crafting tutorials will be much more helpful and informative for new crafters. Crafting writs are crafting quests to create resources and deliver them to a location in need throughout the world. Rewards from these quests will feed back into your trade skill by granting inspiration, craft materials, and a new item, survey reports. These reports are similar to treasure maps and point towards resource caches that contain private that contain private or high, or high yield versions of the normal nodes. New crafting style, Dwemer, coming very soon. The Dwemer style will now be learned in chapters, epic drop, as well as in much more rare complete books, a legendary drop. These styles will be obtained from Dwemer ruins. The materials to make Dwemer equipment will come from salvaging Dwemer constructs and then refining the raw scraps. Nine trait item set, the twice born star, coming oh, in update wow. five. The <laughs> crafting station is an upper craglorn. The two piece is increased health. The three piece is increased stamina. The four piece is increased magica. The five piece allows the player to activate two Mundus stone boons simultaneously. What? The devs confirmed divine's bonus works for both buffs. Oh, New crafting my. style. Zipkin, a.k.a. Imperial Daedric, associated with the Imperial City coming further in the future. All right, let's let's talk about this a little bit point by point. So crafting... Two Mondays? <laughs> That's Two not Mondays, the point we're talking bro. about right now. Hold that. Hold it. I think, <laughs> He's I, think so I heard Deltia kind of pee himself with excitement a little bit. Uh, a little oh, I gotta bit. go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... You know what that reminds me of? We'll, we'll just, I want to do this analogy. It reminds me of the Ethereum uh, Wars from Skyrim, where you could get that one helm. Like, you could either pick a shield or a stave, a staff, or you could get the Ethereal Crown. So you lose the armor bonus, but it allowed you to activate two of the Mundus Stones in Skyrim. So I always forego the armor. I'm like, I don't care. I'm missing the heavy armor helm. Who cares? I can have two Mundus Stones. Who cares? And I always went with that thing. All right, but crafting tutorials would be much more helpful and informative for new crafters. I didn't find them to be too hard, but I didn't. Go to deltiasgaming.com. It's fine. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a guide there, but I, I don't know. It it seemed kind of intuitive from my point of view. But I've been playing MMOs for years, so maybe that's a little different. And you now, are super BA. 
Yeah, that's right. That's what was my uh, rank in your guild? OP Templar? OP as Poopy Templar. Thank you. <laughs> Here's the next thing that I'm kind of excited about. Crafting writs for crafting quests to deliver resources. This is kind of cool because I've got crap tons of resources that I've been selling like on the guild store, but being able to turn them in for like a daily quest kind of thing uh, to get better stuff would be awesome. Like this is something for crafters to do um, like dailies for crafters to do that. They can earn better rewards. And in theory, you can make more money, especially if they're doing like contains private. And I think that R is not supposed to be there contain private high yield versions of normal nodes. So maybe they find a, a node that instead of having one strike that only gives you three, it gives you like 15 right off the bat. I was I was actually confused about that. Okay, so it's supposed to be private high yield version. Yeah, so okay. it's kind of like how the treasure maps are now. Like if you don't have the map in your thing, I'm like, hey, babe, look, the, the mile of dirt's right there. I'm like, I don't see it. Okay. Did you open your treasure map and pull it out? No, you should do that. And then you can see it. So essentially they'll have nodes out there that when you have one of these maps, you can find these private nodes with extra mats in them. Or maybe special mats to help improve. So this is something where you can maybe turn in useless rewards you have or useless extra mats. And if you're leveling, it may help you level. If you're high level, maybe you turn it in and you get you know guaranteed chances at improvement mats like uh grain solvents and and uh, elegant linings those kind of things that's kind of neat uh, well that i mean they're doing a lot to make crafting relevant again i think that set bonus is really a strong strong way to do it i mean it's almost it would be like getting a six percent crit chance in healing better i mean that five piece is so strong almost everyone's gonna want it you know and, I'm curious though, would you really I mean all right, we're we're gonna skip the next section because we'll talk about that in a second. Um but the nine set bonus, since we're on this, oh and the new crafting style Imperial Daedric, that's pretty cool. That'll but apparently that one you can only craft at a crafting location, so you actually have to own the Imperial City. Which is another cool thing, making PvP everyone has to do it and a exactly. for everyone. I love it. Mm-hmm. I like having stuff that's a kind of quasi exclusive like yeah you have to go to this super dangerous area to make it because that's what the whole crafting locations were made out to be but now it's mostly once you have them unlocked it's not really dangerous to get out there once you're there whatever you want i'll have to have a whole team protecting me in order to go to that crafting location well once you own it you own it so you just have to fight to keep it (laughs) well it makes the game feel alive like that you have a purpose and like if even if you're a pv or well let's get 20 people together and we need to craft this up and you can do something on the weekend even if you don't like it you know it just makes the world and environment feel alive that that could also prove as a nice selling point too. If your faction owns it, you know your right. sellers might be out there going, "Hey, I'm selling this uh, a Zivkin stuff right now. If you meet me out there in Imperial City, you know that kind of stuff. It it'd be kind of neat." But all right, now back to the two set or the the new nine trait, which thankfully I'm getting close to now. The twice born star now. I do know the five set's really powerful, but we're going to have to do some math on this to try to figure out how powerful that five set is. Because is it worth dropping all the crit you could get or the single stat? Because not most builds don't need health, stamina, and magic. Most focus on one thing, uh, full stamina, magicka, or crit. Do you think the five piece is going to outweigh 
the other four that you have to get? Well, depending on your build. I mean, if you're a primary DPS, probably not. I mean, you could do divines on all your gear and get maybe 10% more crit versus doing a couple other pieces and getting six and some other stats. But if you're a tank, you know, that's more magical recovery or whatever you decide to go with. If you're a healer, yeah, you can't pass up the ritual and maybe even the divines and getting some more crit. So I think depending your role, it's really role dependent for me. Uh, tank uses all stats, so the three stats that's great. If you're like a mage DPS, you know, probably not. But just more incentive to try things out and see what it is. And someone will number crunch this too and see exactly what the math shows. But you're probably right. For every every build, this isn't going to work. But for like unique builds that you know do one or two things. Yeah, this will be really cool. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, what do you think about this particular build? Oh, I would say for my for for being a healer, in my head, it would be fantastic because then I could have the Munda Stone for increased magic regeneration, and then the one for healing effectiveness, and then I'd be like you know, a really beast healer. <laughs> to me, it makes sense in my head. Maybe to the math nuts, it probably would not be worth it, but. I'd give it a try. Mm, nice. Now, my my main thing is if I'm playing a melee, and I can't help but notice, Delta, you said Mage DPS, and that's where you stopped. You didn't say anything about stamina. But as a stamina user, um, I'm looking at this. I really don't need any Magicka. Very few health. I'm not really worried about. I get that other locations. I, I don't need it in a two set. Whereas, like, my Hunding's Rage gives me, what, like 8% crit? plus like some spell crit and then weapon damage on top of it. But then if I mix it with like night mother, I get another like 8% crit. Um, I don't know. Maybe the double Munda stones for divines bonus would, would be nice because confirmed divine bonus works for both buffs. Um, I guess yeah, Munda stone divines bonus works for both buffs. I'm trying to wrap my head. Could you get, could you get two of the, the divine stone? So that it doubles the effectiveness? Well, that would be like 15% crit or something crazy. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's what I'm kind of... Like, could I take the same stone twice? I doubt it. The same Munda stone? Yeah, because no. if you could take the same Munda stone twice... No, it says activate two Munda stone boons simultaneously. Yeah. So that, to me, says two different... You yeah, but right to... here, Dev's confirmed Divine's bonus works for both buffs. Yes, if you have a Divine's bonus on your armor and you have mm -hmm. two Munda Stones, that mm -hmm. Divine's bonus works on e both of those Munda Stones at the same time. Okay, all right, all right, makes sense now. I'm sitting here going, man, if I could get two of the uh, the increased Divine's buffs, that would be insane. Like, it really would. And then, like, put, like, Thief on there, that'd be nuts for extra crit. Anyway... All right, next section. This one I'm not too happy about because I kind of liked how it was, but some people may be happy. Provisioning revamp. Converting the existing system, including ingredients and recipes, to a system that works more intelligently with the objects that exist within the world. Instead of getting drippings from a crate, you might get flour from a sack of flour or grain from a bushel of wheat. Reducing the number of ingredient items by 50%, less inventory strain. No more alliance-specific ingredients or recipes. Recipes will drop based on zone, not character level. All ingredients are level agnostic. Add VR10 recipes. Easier to know where to get the type of ingredients you need to make the recipes. If you need apples, you can go loot a basket of apples. Ingredient types... 
Meats, fruit, vegetables, additives, alcohol, tea, and tonics. Each ingredient type will come with, from a clearly defined and predictable source. Recipes being revamped. Once the change, once the change goes live, you will still know all your recipes, but they may change names. Recipes will stay the same quality, but may change slightly in level. Okay, some of this stuff is really good. Like, I like a lot of it. My major thing that I don't like is the fact that they're reducing the amount of ingredients by, like, 50%. I can see why, though. Because right now, there's so many ingredients, it's kind of hard to make a lot of the recipes. But with this, th this will be okay, though. Because even if the... Even if there's like a million different recipes, there's still all kinds of combinations that the recipes that they are going to have in the game can can be used in. Yeah, but I, I like the way it is currently because the amount of recipes, like you can, if you collect all the recipes, certain recipes may give the same stat benefit, but they use different materials. So if you're having a hard time coming across a specific kind, maybe you have extra. I think the major problem with provisioning as is now is some of the materials you get are not useful um, at all levels. Faction. Oh, not even all faction. Well, maybe all faction, but yeah, like, I mean, some levels. of the recipes you can't you can't use unless you're dagger fall covenant and stuff. Yeah, see well, that that to me is okay. I I like that that mm -hmm. there's faction specific recipes. Now there they can be there really? can be a recipe in, uh, um, ow, I just tried to snap. It hurt my hand. There could be a recipe with the elves and a recipe with the Nords. They're two different recipes, but they do the same thing. But it's just that, you know, it adds kind it, of a little it gives fun flair. thing. Yeah. Um, the only thing I have to say about this is I really, really hope they nerf the drop rate of grapes and beans. <laughs> I am tired of looting everything and getting nothing but grapes and beans. You don't want to make a drink? Come on, you get like eight. You get eight points of regeneration. That's sick. Yeah, that's that's so not <laughs> yeah. what I want though. I'm still Versus waiting for the, the unconfirmed change whether or not they're going to do it. But I hear rumors that they'll let us have both a food and a drink stat, and then those things will be valuable again because then you can have both, and that would be really. And then neat. two mana stones, maybe even five weapons. It's going to be cray cray. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to love it. But yeah, a lot of the issue, I think, is certain stats or certain items aren't used at all levels. Like yeah, especially like meat. pepper. If you get any pepper, just send it to me. I mean, you don't. That's <laughs> at Deltia in-game. It's, it's worth, worthless. It's terrible. You don't just want it. Just give it to me. It's no problem. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm specifically talking like mud crab meat. You get that yeah, a lot. No but it. those are only used for, well, the problem is they're only used for recipe levels like 1 through 10. And then you stop well, using yeah. it. And, like, alchemy is relevant at any level. If you're, like, level 1, you see bug loss. I'm like, ah, bug loss! Mm -hmm. Or if I'm level VR 14, bug loss! Slails his arms and well, runs at the That's where having Please multiple stop. recipes that work at all levels. Like, I think what they should have done is change it so that, like, the mud crab meat, you get the normal one, the, the you know, the consummate and the fortified ones, whatever they are. They just require more mats, but still use the mud crab meat. That way, if you're sitting there looking at it going, well, I got lots of tomatoes. I got lots of all these secondary, you know, the additive mats, but I need my primary meat mat or whatever it is. Well, I don't have any piggets or whatever. Or I don't have any of this. Well, I got lots of mud crab meat. Well, let's just make this recipe instead. It does the same thing. The problem is the only things that are useful at the higher levels are honeycomb. Um, what is the other meats? 
Like Honeycomb is one. Um, oh crud! I can't remember some of the other ones. That, that doesn't matter, but yeah, I guess yeah it doesn't matter. But there's only like three or four of the primary mats, the primary level one ingredients that are useful: the mud crab meats, the shanks, the 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 pork. Beef. The beef, yeah, beef, for instance, is only used in, like, level 30 and 40 recipes. And Why? it drops everywhere. Yeah. But it's useless past that level. You don't use it in any of the VR stuff. But if they had, like, a beef tenderloin that was a VR5 mm. and you needed beef, people would use it more. I mean, okay. our, our guild bank alone has, like, eight stacks of 100 beef because no one uses it. Can I tell a story? Sure. You guys are going to love this. I don't remember if I told it last podcast or just to my guildies. So... You know you play this game a lot when you go for a walk with your dogs and you're trolling along. All of a sudden, I see some like blue flower out of the corner of my eye. I look over and I'm like, wow, bug loss. I got to go get it. But this is real life. <laughs> I thought I saw bug loss in the game and I had to go pick it up. But it was out in the middle of a field, Nebraska. Is this crazy? Uh, sweetie, I think you spend too much time in game. <laughs> I do it all the time. It's fine. It, it's it's just to take a break and. There's a field of wild flowers next to my work, and every every time it glow, you know, is growing, I drive by and go mountain, mountain flower, mountain flower. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go harvest all. I'm like, I can make so much money off this. This is used for all the healing potions. And then you stop and go, oh, oh, can't import it into my game. Yeah. <laughs> Bug loss NRL. That's pretty bad. That's right. <laughs> All right, this next one's exciting. Dungeon scaling. Players are able to scale dungeons. Dungeon pledges, a.k.a. dailies, through the Undaunted Guild, which give bronze, silver, or gold chest keys, which are awarded depending on how effectively the player completed the pledge. Higher tier chests have higher tier possible rewards. For example, for non-veteran dungeons, a bronze pledge would involve killing the three main bosses of each dungeon, but an optional step involves killing all the mini-bosses or optional bosses. For veteran pledges, getting the gold tier key might involve completing the challenge in a certain time limit or under certain restrictions. Pledges can be done for non-veteran and veteran versions, so players can do pledges of each variety every day. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I love it. It's awesome. And I think this is definitely going to scale into the champion system, which we'll talk about later, is players are able to scale dungeons. So the experience reward you get, which you even when you max out your character, you will still experience will be useful because it contributes to the champion system, which we will talk about at the near the end of this discussion topic. But being able to scale dungeons, they said the dungeons will scale up to whatever you want the player to be, and the loot and stuff will be based on either the character level or the monster level. So if you're like VR5 and you scale the dungeon to VR3, the loot will be VR3. If you're brought into a dungeon um, at VR3 that's VR5, the loot will be VR3, whatever you are. But it, it's nice to be able to actually go back and do non-veteran dungeons, especially with these pledges, and not feel like, great, I'm wasting my time in here. I'm not getting any experience towards my champion levels or anything. But now you'll be able to scale it up. So yeah, that's exciting. My favorite dungeon pledges, I love doing dailies for dungeons. You go in, you talk to some guy, like, hey, there's a problem again at whatever. And you have to go out and get buddies to go and do it. And it's a good way of 
revitalizing the dungeon running community because every day you'll see people out there going hey i need x amount of people for the daily pledge let's go do it you know it's just a good way to get out there you get to meet new people because lots of people want to run it um you'll have lots of activities to do with your guildies it'll be a good time what do you think of these good oh no i'm not thinking anything about that at the moment Oh. My, my toe hurts and it's my right foot that hurts, but I hit my left hand today, so my right foot and my left hand are killing me. Oh. <laughs> it's just totally random. Okay. I'm sorry. Continue. All right. Delty, what do you feel about that? Hey, there's a butterfly. No, um. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, was random. I know. I'm trying to mess with these. Um, daily's awesome. It, like you said, if you get a skill point and never have to do it again, why gamers aren't going to do it. They're going to move on. I mean, yes, people do do it for the sake of just doing it, I know. But 99% of people don't. It's whatever is progressing your character. I think that champion system in combination with dailies is fantastic for the game. Because then you're always progressing. I don't care if it's point zero 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 one percent Gamers want to progress. Gear grinds are needed. You need that hamster wheel. Oh, look, bug loss. And... <laughs> Because for me, it's like, if I go help someone at level 30 on my VR6, what am I getting out of it? I know that's not the, the, that's selfish to look at it like that, but I do. I mean, my time in game is valuable, so I want to progress. If we can both do a dungeon and both get relevant loot, do a daily that helps us progress, um, that sort of thing, then the, the level gap isn't so significant anymore. It doesn't really matter. Once they take VR levels away, have that scaling, it's going to be huge for the game. It'll be so much better. Mm-hmm. My question to this is, the first statement says players are able to scale dungeons. Does that mean that it's a player choice? It is. It it will allow you to scale it if you want up to your level at least. Or okay, so person. it's not mandatory. You can walk in a dungeon and be overpowered if you want to be. Yeah, okay. but this is to make it so that... Hashtag every dungeon. Yeah, every dungeon. Um, <laughs> this is so you can make it so that it's worthwhile to run it. Like... Exactly. A perfect example is um, the low-level dungeons in Final Fantasy Realm Reborn. I hate doing them, especially on a high-level character. But you get scaled. You, you do get scaled, but the rewards aren't there. You know what I mean? Like, you go back, you do a low-level dungeon, you're like, yay. I get really nothing out of this except for the little daily reward, which isn't that much to begin with, but if it was coupled with something else, it, I don't do them anymore because it's a pain in the bum to do the, the, the low-level but this will allow me to pick up that same low level saying, hey, you need to go out and do um, Fungal Grotto, which is a 15 dungeon. I'm VR 14. I don't really want to go do VR. Even if the quest reward's like, hey, I got a VR 14 or uh, you get the quest reward. I don't get anything else for doing the dungeon. This will allow me to scale it up and then I can do it and get rewards in the dungeon. So I feel like, yeah, hey, I'm making money. I'm getting valid experience. Which is contributing to yeah my progression in champion levels, and I get a reward. See, I I can see it from both sides of the spectrum here. I'm okay with going back and doing low level dungeons and only getting the end of the dungeon reward, mm -hmm. but but all of the stuff in the dungeon not being worth it. I'm okay with that. I can understand why that is. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to me. It's fine. But I also. I'm okay with this, too, where the rewards scale. Because both of the systems work very well in their respective games. So they're, they're both good options. I feel like in this game, and ESO, this is the better option. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, of course, 
I, I do like the idea of being able when you finish it, you get a reward based on this. This reminds me of like the challenge modes in Warcraft or um, what was the other the other one that had those the speed runs that you could do. Guild Wars Two's had speed runs. This game has speed runs. Yeah, it does. There's an achievement for doing speed runs, but you get better rewards on how well you do. If you go in with a terrible bad party and you make it through it, but you you took like eight hours, you're gonna get the bad reward. But this is going to this is gonna emphasize good play, and people want to actually. You know, you're not gonna have some guy just derping around in there going, oh, "I don't really care." You know, I'm just doing this for the reward. So he sits there, watches Netflix, and just spams you know clicking his light attack and that's all he does He's oh, uh, you. To get, yeah me um will there be more chests for me to steal no oh sorry but you will get it hey this is a guaranteed chest you get to open at the end of every dungeon yeah but can i can i pick it I no wanna... you don't get to pick it oh, man they should make us pick it just because we need something and make to do it with all... super difficult so i have to sit there for 15 minutes picking it and cursing at it nice nice because there's, right. there's really not enough impossible chests in the world right is there one i've i've opened one one impossible chest impossible or whatever possible no no i've seen i've only ever seen intermediate i've seen master well i know that i've seen an impossible maybe that's not the one i open but i know that i've opened a master but i've seen one impossible chest I think that yeah, I think I've seen one impossible too. It was outside of Stone Falls or something like that. Yeah, in the when back we were of, leveling. Yeah, yeah, an impossible chest. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but anyway, um, here example of the non for non veteran dungeons. Uh, a bronze pledge would involve killing three main bosses of each dungeon, but the optional step involves killing all the mini bosses or optional bosses. So it's a way of getting better rewards by doing everything in the dungeon. You know. And um, they say for veteran players, it's, you know, you get the better reward for completing a challenge in a certain time limit, that kind of stuff. It's it, it's kind of neat. Or under certain restrictions. Like, here's something that I really love. And this is something I was telling my uh, best buddy who actually just started playing ESO today. We're actually going to play after the show. Was one of the things I really like about the game was the dungeon achievements make you do stuff that make the game harder for you but it's actually an achievement one in particular i forget the dungeons in but the final boss is like a vampire and there's all these uh victims chained up against yeah. the wall and he flies around the room and in periods of fight he goes and feeds off them and regains health the achievement is you know like the main mechanic is if you kill the person he's feeding off of he gets stunned for a brief second and he stops regenerating health the the achievement is you don't kill any of them so you let him keep feeding and you have to fight through his health regen and that's really cool that makes the fight a lot harder because you're ignoring a mechanic that's supposed to make it easier for you like that's what you're supposed to do but that's an achievement that i like doing and i think it's really cool so yeah that's i'm so excited for pledges that's something i'm oh i can't wait to do it Every day I'm going to be logging in and asking in the guild, hey, who let, let's run our pledge today. Let's do it. Yeah, it'll make the community actually have to play together for something. I mean, so, so many people play solo, and I get it. I love solo too, but at the same point, this is Elder Scrolls with friends. That's what we've wanted mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Now that we got it, pull an arrow out of your knee and hit the group key. <laughs> nice uh, pop culture reference there. I like it. I like it a lot. 
All right. Uh, I guess this next section we can just skip over. No, no, no. <laughs> I am so excited for the next three sections. Okay, first, collections. <laughs> Adding systems to offload vanity pets, costumes, mounts, and trinkets. Yes! Out of physical inventory space to allow players to enjoy the use of collectibles without hogging their inventory spaces. The new collectibles interface allows you to manage collectible trinkets, costumes, vanity pets, and mounts all from the same interface. The dev team showed a UI mock-up which looked really nice. I'm excited about this because I like to collect everything in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've been trashing like costumes of like quest stuff, but I would love to collect them. Like if there's an inventory slot where it's like collect this this thing, I will go out and I will find it again just to collect it. I still have Bala's trinket. That won't go in here. Uh, I I understand, but I was just <laughs> emphasizing the fact that I collect things as well. Right. Just random. Well, things. I like a lot of some of the quest rewards and some of the public dungeons just give you a random trinket that has a use. Like that bubble? That, yeah. 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 You get from uh, one of the alien uh, ruins. It's just a random trinket that traps you in. It's supposed to represent the quest where you had to trap a Daedra in a... Uh, ethereal bubble. In an ethereal bubble to hold it in place. And it actually puts you in a bubble. You're stuck in it. You're like banging on it. It's just neat little trinkets that are fun to play with, but they're kind of a pain in the butt with the way the inventory currently is. But now we're actually going to get an additional inventory space for these items only, so you can't use it and go, oh, they're giving us an extra 20 spots for collectibles. Well, forget that. I'm just going to use it for everything else. This will specifically only hold collectible items like mounts and pets and costumes. Which means that Ag and I will have to go through the beginning portions of the game again to recollect items that we may have gotten rid of. Oh, absolutely. I will. I will do it, too. Just if I see a like a little costume box, like go get the, I don't know, what are the name of those bandits in Bleak Falls? There's like a group of bandits that you have to steal one of their costumes and go through it. I'll go back and get it just so I can have it filled in that spot. Deltia, do you, are you a collector? No, I mean, the costumes I really, really like. And you know that you can sell some of them for, like, I've sold a couple for 20 grand. <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah. I, I'm in town. I sometimes see people asking for certain costumes. They want the goblin one because it makes you smaller in PvP. But I really <laughs> like, yeah, I know, it's derpy. Since I have to wear a dress on every single character to do damage, I like costumes. Let's just put it that way. Wait, but, um, can you just wear a jerkin now? Yeah, but it still looks derpy. Yeah. Well, that's what I was talking to Delty before the show started. I was saying how I love the look of heavy armor. Like, I do. But I'm not playing a tank character, so putting heavy armor on my character kind of nerfs what I really want to do. But being able to wear, like, full light armor or medium armor for DPS and then getting, like, a heavy armor lookalike costume will be awesome. What about I hate the, to break the it to sleeve? you. I don't like that armor. Oh. Other, but yeah, it's essentially that I've actually put that on when I hated the look of my armor more than I hated the look of that costume. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but no one wears heavy armor, even the tanks. Yeah, that's true. The this best game, tanks in the game were all light. Well, that may change with the champion system, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, but yeah, it, it <laughs> is something that's cool because certain collectible like uh, collection stuff maybe you can only get them during a quest and if you finish the quest you can no longer get it so if you hold on to them yeah maybe you can but is it going to be a cow bound or is it going to be because like what i you know i bang on star wars a lot but what they did do good was a legacy system Mm -hmm. where like if you got something on one character it counted for other ones i like that a lot because 
like especially the achievements. I don't know what I have in my Templar versus my Dragonite versus whatever. I wish like collectibles would be together. It's like trophies and stuff like that wouldn't just be one character. I don't know if that's in there. Guild Wars 2 did that where a lot of that stuff was like your your bank was linked. Mm-hmm. So you could access all your pets and stuff in this special interface. It, it depends if they keep them an item like that. Maybe if it's a bank item, if it's a shared bank item, yeah, that's great. Because then you just click a bank tab and go, oh, there's all my mounts, there's all my vanity pets, there's all my costumes, and you can throw them in there. Um, personally, like I get where you're like, because I know uh, uh, Warcraft did this later, where the achievements then were account-wide. I like that to an extent, because then it makes me feel like I don't have to be stuck with one character if I don't want to. But on the yeah, other I hand, I like that thrill of getting an achievement. So, like, even if I'm on an ult, I like, hey, look, I down, I down Fungal Grotto, yay! Yeah, I, I like that that little message, that little carrot on a stick message. And games that make it account wide, you don't get it on subsequent characters. That I, I like it for its toggle. Like there was a, like a little list, like oh, you can have your separate achievements yeah, if you that'd want, be nice. or you could just click the thing going. I just want to see all all achievements on my account, and it just shows you everything. But personally this is just me some people may not care but i like that little message when you see god achievement for this that excites me even if i've done it before i like getting it again um but you don't get that on games where it's account bound not me i disagree oh Mm. but that's just me Uh, i i guess next up brand new systems Brand new systems, yay! Adding glass, armor, and weapons. Zaz is not saying whether it will exist as a style or a material type. Spellcrafting, poison making, and jewelry crafting, as well as mount racing. So excited. Um, adding glass, see, adding glass armor, it, they don't saying if it's a style or a material type. If it's a material type, it might be something along the lines of, you know, like, now this is the next thing you have to make. Albeit, I would prefer it to be a style because glass armor was awesome. I'm like over here about ready to explode. I hope they make it a style because in Skyrim, I loved wearing my glass armor and they had a whole bunch of different types and it just looked really cool and I'm really hoping they make it a style. I agree. I like styles. Uh, Delty, what about you? What do you think? No? Nothing? Is he there? He might not be. Um, Spellcrafting, poison making, and jewelry crafting. Spellcrafting, I'm a little worried about. But um, jewelry crafting, I think, will be fantastic. A wonderful addition to the game. Considering they they have everything covered in ways of armor, except for jewelry craft. That's the last thing that's left. Mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised they didn't add this in with the beginning of the game. Mm. I don't know. I think it'll be nice, especially if you can't find sets and stuff for it, but uh, or at least giving a way of adding to it. Um, Are you back, Deltia? I am. Okay. okay. What do you think about glass armor being either a style or a material type? Well, it'd have to be both, right? I mean, but... Uh... I think it'd be sick. I mean, I think Glass is one of my favorite in any of the Elder Scroll games. I think it looks awesome. Same. So, some of that stuff. I think Daedric's terrible in this game. I, I don't know if they did it on purpose, but like, you look at Skyrim's Daedric armor or Morrowind's glass armor, it was sick. So, if they didn't bring in more armors in, it's going to be awesome. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely. Now, spellcrafting, yeah. poison making, and jewelry crafting. These are Leave coming. spellcrafting low. Don't mess with it. Don't. Please, <laughs> God, do not do spellcrafting. Please. I'm sorry. It's going to break the game. That's it. I, I love the idea of spellcrafting, but speak, we've already talked a lot about spellcrafting, so we're going to yeah. have that for now. Poison making, I'm concerned about. I don't understand. That's cool. Well, it's going to be like Skyrim, where you can make yeah. potion poisons, where you apply them and it adds extra damage, or maybe maybe it's like a maybe it's like rogue poison in Warcraft, where before you could apply it and like you maybe have a silencing potion where it gives you like a five percent chance to apply a silence or a dot or whatever. Yep. That's what? going to be cool. What if it coincides with? Like the Dark Brotherhood or the Thieves Guild, it, where depending on what poison sick. you make, it helps how you kill specific targets, or just an, or just mobilize them. Or like, yeah, wouldn't that be neat? That would well, be I think cool. this would be. Of course, it's all it's all just my theory. Well, but. yeah, it's all theory crap next. We don't know anything about it. But like poison crafting, back when rogues actually created poison in Warcraft, there were different poisons you could use depending on what you wanted. When you were raiding, you put a deadly poison on, which was a dot, which had a chance to apply a poison dot to your attacks. PvPing, sometimes rogues would add like immobilizing poisons or snaring poisons. So you could add these different things to your weapons so that way you can kind of mix and match based on what you're going to... In PvP, I can tell you what, snaring poisons and... Uh, immobilizing poisons are going to be like amazing like people are going to want them like crazy like uh, yeah, just just oh yeah meatball i'd be slowing <laughs> people and rooting them stunning them making them mad and just rage quit the game the ultimate compliment from any pvp is if i can make you alt f4 life's good um hmm. remind me never to go into pvp with delta <laughs> uh next up is jewelry crafting the ability to create jewelry pieces one second. Did they say when this is coming out, or they said these are just new? This is things are just talking about. They okay. Have so, new dates. so real quick, one point five. What do we have confirmed for that? Is that really just City of Ash type thing? City of little... Ash face effects. Um, so nothing major in one. Nothing major. Maybe. Other yeah, face effects would be like one of the biggest things I think, and of course the new VR dungeon. Okay, so really this just. This is all in the future of 1.6, or we don't even know when any of this stuff Yeah, some out. of this okay. stuff is, this is just stuff they were talking about that they're like, this is what we're currently working on. So Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and of course, mount racing. Yeah, I, I, we already that's talked cool. about the distraction-based like game. I like that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think, depending on how they do it, like I said earlier, I think it'll be neat if it's it requires you to use all the horse stats you know right. what I mean? Right. So, so like you have to you have to sprint. You might get knocked off. You if you don't have enough not, stamina. Right. It's yeah. not just about speed. It would you be really you cool. may have to carry something, or you know when you're carrying stuff, your horse reduces speed unless you have the carrying capacity to hold it, so you stay at a current speed. I think that'll be neat, and it will provide more. So everyone does just doesn't buy the light horse and max out speed. That may not be the best way that because that's what everyone would do if it's just get to the end first. But if it requires you to use all of the horse's stats, you know, being a full speed horse ain't going to be great because when you're picking up those three rocks that you have to have when you cross the, the, the finish line and they slow your speed by 10% each, you're now 30% slower. We're going to have flags uh, instead of rocks. It doesn't matter what okay. it is. You just have to pick something up. Like, that's what you require to end. But it requires carrying capacity. You know, do you... Do you oh, dailies. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 
Wyona Stealth said in the chat room that uh, dailies are confirmed for uh, the next update. So oh, the undaunted stuff is what uh, those dailies for that. So running dungeon stuff. So thanks excellent. for that. Thank you indeed. Um, last up. World interactivity. Continued effort in populating the world, which the devs jokingly term Clickyville, <laughs> with further, further opportunities for player interaction. The provisioning revamp integrates cleanly with the goals of world interactivity to make things more intelligent and natural. There will be over 80 types of provisioner clickables, which will give ingredients. Addition of soul gem and money pile clickables. Hey! Provisioner clickables now make sense. No more aged meat out of a bag of green beans. New dye colors including sigil orange. This is one Ooh. thing I... Uh, sigil orange, yeah. One thing that it's I do... black like, and yellow. Oh, sorry. Black I'll and yellow. <laughs> I do like how they're going to change it that when you open up a... Like if you're sitting there looking for something specific like apples or onions... You open up a what looks like a thing of beans and you get meat out of it. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. So them changing it, that actually is pretty cool. So when you drive by like a thing of wheat going, hey, I need red wheat for my, um, you know, VR5 recipe. Open up and hope you get it and not be surprised if you see an apple there. Or a stale radish. I'm so tired of stale radishes. Yeah, me too. Addition of soul gems. I hate driving by a pile and looking at a soul gem going, I just want to pick you up, but you can't. Now you can. That's going to be awesome. And money piles. I hope it's not a lot, but I think it's still going to be kind of cool. Like, oh, look, there's a money pile. Oh, you got gained five gold. Oh, cool. I think that'd be kind of neat. Um, yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and let's go through the system design questions. Maybe this will clear up some stuff. Um, possibility. This was. These are all questions that were asked from the group to the developer. So possibility of scaling players to dungeon rather than scaling dungeons to themselves. The short answer is that scaling works a lot more effectively when it comes to scaling the power of enemies than scaling the power of players. All yeah, right. So that's a good point. Yeah. So there won't be any more of your VR fourteen. You go into a sixteen dungeon and you're scaled down to that. It nerfs you. Other games do that. Guild Wars two did that. Uh, Final Fantasy does that. Um, those are like the only two that come to the top of my head. But um, Possible incorporation of more vibrant yellow, red, and orange dye colors. Dyes have to be <laughs> consistent with the color palette of the game and should be drawn from colors that appear on NPCs throughout the world. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. I don't want to see no hot pink. <laughs> don't turn this into Star Wars where there's riding lawnmowers and it costs $15 to buy one. Yeah. Thank you. I, I like the fact that they're like, we're sticking to this. You know, Elder Scrolls Lord, is a Elder dark. Yeah. Well, it, it's a dark and gritty game. I don't want to see no bright neon pink colors because that's just not going to happen. I'm glad. Thank you for taking a stand. All Love right. It. The possibility of getting a better preview system that is more accurately represents how the die will look on your character for achievements that you have not yet unlocked. During oh. the design phase of the of the die system, this was a need that the devs wanted to address. But part of this unpredictability of colors is due to how different material types render the same color in slightly different ways. A true preview system is on the wish list to do, but doesn't have a firm schedule yet. You know, this is something else that I really like, and I I did. You know, Warcraft is the game I played the longest of, and I got spoiled by their preview system. Someone linked a weapon. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Right-click preview. Oh, that's what it looks like. I yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, just because, I mean, let's face it. You know, us number crunchers, we know it's not all about looking good, but looking good while kicking butt is... It matters. It does. Like, if I look at a sword that looks ugly, I'm like, 
yeah, it's one damage more, but do I really want to look ugly doing it? Ooh, right-click, change to Imperial. That's what, that's my, if I don't like the look of something, right-click, yeah, change to Imperial. Yeah. But it's still a matter of looks. So being able to look at something like a sword drops from a, a dungeon, because, oh, let's look at that. Oh, that's nice. I want that, you know? You know, you know what I thought about them making, which would be really cool, is if you could make your own costume. So, like, let's say you do a full set of, like, heavy high elf gear and then you craft it you basically you decon it all so it's a costume now so you get the look but then you can, can wear whatever you want and still get the stats i think that would be really cool it's kind of like a transmog system in other games where you can take the appearance of one item and make it look like another yeah I, I agree with that that would be really neat to be able to do is like you said make your set the way make yourself look like how you want your character to look and turn it into a costume yeah. and then yeah that would be really awesome. Again, preview would be great because then we could, you know, look at that and see things. Okay, uh, let's see. Where were we Possibility. at? Oh. Possibility of players being able to move items within the world. It's something they are considering and discussing internally, but no plans to do that anytime soon. If they did do it, it would probably be changes that are only rendered client side that don't propagate to other players. Okay. Well, that, that's still pretty neat itself, like being able to move things in, especially if they do housing, hmm, hmm, hmm. being <laughs> able to move your own items, like placing books on top of bookshelves or like cups on top of the tables and stuff like that. A lot of people Arenas. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, ability to design shields. They recognize that it's a hole in the current system, but it's something they hope to add into the die system in the future once development time becomes available to do it. I like the idea of being able to like do your guild symbol on a shield. I don't like diable weapons. I've never liked diable weapons, but diable shields, like they painted shields. I'm fine with painting shields. I think that'd be neat. Delta, what about you? Oh, that's awesome because like that's the one piece like I'll run around with black and yellow, but then my shield's blue and green. It's like, uh um, but yeah, if you could put, and I don't like wearing the sigils either, but if you could make the sigil on your weapon, I would definitely do that or mm -hmm. not your weapon, but your shield only. Yeah. I'm with you. Don't do the cheesy dying sword crap. You're going to make it look cheese. And I think these developers get it. They don't want this game to look like a bunch of trinkets running around, but yeah. the more customizable you can have your character, the better it's going to make you feel. And that's ultimately what we want. I mean, we could be the coolest, most BA people, but. You, this is your character you're spending 100 hours on. You want it to look cool. Or 300 hours. I'll say 100 hours? Come on now. Yeah, that's a, that's a week, bro. Yeah, come on. That's a long <laughs> weekend, man. <laughs> um, okay. The potential for lottery drops in terms of collectibles or crafting materials. The devs want there to be more practical methods for players to earn or obtain what they are trying to acquire. So they didn't sound very positive about the potential for ultra-rare world drops in this context. I both like and I dislike that. I like a little bit of RNG with things because they can be real money makers if you get a really rare item to drop. On the other hand, if you really want that, it's one of those things that if you luck out and get it, oh, happy day. But if you are after it, it, you know, you may never get it kind of thing. So hmm. I like clear cut plans for it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next question is potential for adding Nurncrux to Cyrodiil crafting nodes as a way to make that components more accessible as well as improve the mechanical risk slash reward structure for harvesting in Cyrodiil. 
The issue has definitely come up, but Nerdcrux is thematically tied to the story of Upper Craglorn. The devs hope to come up with some other means of improving the systems of harvesting crafting materials in Cyrodiil. Mm -hmm. um, resolving the conflict between costumes and guild tabards. Conversations are underway internally regarding the best way to resolve this when the new collectibles system gets implemented. Mm -hmm. Feasibility of both food and drink buffs simultaneously? This is an issue that gameplay is looking into, but there are concerns about the balance implications of using both. The concern that very few people use drinks is certainly valid, and one that the crafting team hopes to solve. There you go. Look, they're looking at that. They know about this, so hold on to your hops. Because maybe they'll change it in some way that goes, hey, drinks are now awesome. And then you'll be sad when you don't have all your hops. I've been hoarding my hops just hoping that they change it. And then I'm going to be the one guy out there going, selling beer, 8 million <laughs> gold per. <laughs> that's going to be me. That's, wow. that's, okay, that's going to happen. All right. Here's something that's kind of using caught fish in provisioning recipes that require fish. Yes. New provisioning recipes which use fish in cooking will utilize fish that you catch using fishing. That's actually really cool because I don't think anyone fishes unless you're after the achievements. But making like a high-end recipe that requires fish, people will actually fish to get it. Because I remember yeah, other games, cool. like they had fishing days uh, because you could make like fish feast in, in Warcraft. Like on Saturday before the thing reset, everyone was supposed to go out on our guild and fish so that we could get a bunch of fish to make feast for the next raid week. And that was something that people would actually use. And possible achievement are better reward structure for collecting all the Mage Guild books. The devs seemed surprised to hear there wasn't one, and said they would add it to their log to put in as soon as possible. Sweet. All right, those are all the questions for uh, the system design. Anyone have anything else they want to add before we move on to the next part? Not I. Deltia? No, it sounds like they're well aware of what people want, and they're just going to work on it, so I like it. All right. Next. All right, the next part of this is the AVA and Imperial City. So Brian Wheeler was up, and uh, I guess he was with a couple of PvP team who handles content and rules in PvP zones, including keeps, objectives, alliance points, etc. So, yeah, there's some PvE stuff. Let's, let's talk about what's coming in Update 5. Minimum rank requirements to purchase forward camps. Buffs will be local to the campaign only for PvP only. They're still considering mm -hmm. how to handle buffs for PvE. Amen. Anti-tunneling boundaries and ways to block exploits where players wiggle through terrain objects and get underneath the world. All right. Other than the last one, the last one is, okay, that's great. People who are exploiting should be banned anyway, so that doesn't really give us anything. So, yeah, screw those players. They're not doing what's right. Good job fixing that, get rid of that, and then ban all those people. Minimum rank requirement to purchase forward camps. I kind of like that because people are complaining about how forward camps affect Cyrodiil as it is. So forward camps would at this point require a certain rank in PvP to use. That would kind of emphasize the people who have them are the people who spend time in PvP, not the guy who just bought them because he has gold. I think that'll limit their... They're, uh... You can't you can't buy forward camps with gold. Oh well, it's the one item you can't. It's probably a good thing, um, but still, I, minimum. Rank... I don't get it. I do not get this. 
Really? I do not get this. What is the deal with Ford cams? Why do people want less? Less travel? I just, it's baffling to me. Like, um, Tamriel Foundry, when he was on, um, and he does a great job. He's, you know, emperor. I mean, he knows his stuff, believe me. But, like, me even creating a campaign with no Ford cams, I, there has to be a better incentive for death than just traveling. You know what I mean? Like, I, the minimum rank, Why? I mean, so some level 15 spends two hours and gets 15k AP and wants to buy a forward camp, so don't let them? What good does that do? Hmm. What, what, he's, he or she spent the time to get the AP, killed people, and yet they want to limit that person from helping the team out? Wow, sounds like a fantastic idea to me. That's sarcasm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hear a What's lot of What's the counter argument to that? I mean, what is it? I have to agree with Deltio on this one. Because <laughs> I think that, yeah, there's there's a group of people who don't want forward cams, but what about everybody else that hates running all the way across Traveling, the world yeah, when it takes forever? When, when we were holding the guild event <laughs> and we accidentally died to the slaughterfish, all of us did not want to run back to where we were. Because sure it just takes too long. Yes, we all died to slaughterfish because Ag jumped in the water. And hey. we all followed. Oh, we, hey, you got an achievement fault. for it. <laughs> yeah, we did get it. It's not my fault. One guy jumps in. You might call yeah, me an for jumping in, but you guys are all even worse because you followed me after you saw what happened to me. So <laughs> I'm the uninformed person who jumped in water filled with slaughterfish. You guys are all the dumb people who decided, hey, he's getting eaten. Let's jump in too. That's a good idea. <laughs> I didn't notice you were getting eaten, actually. It doesn't matter. It's still a matter. You're following me. All right. I'm the first guy. Yeah. Shame on me for jumping in the water, but double shame on you for following the guy who you see getting eaten. <laughs> but to the point, though, I mean, it's not fun going, oh, now we have to ride 15 minutes back and not see one other player. That's sure. lame. No one wants to do that. Like, I don't get make gear. You have to repair gear or something if you want an incentive for uh, a disincentive for dying. Or you lose AP. I don't know. Something. But more movement is not the answer. Like, that's why I didn't like Cyrodiil in the first place. I spent more time riding than I did fighting. And if you keep doing that, less and less people are going to do it. People want to fight. Whether you win or lose or die, it's fun rolling out, knowing I got one hour to play. I can jump into Cyrodiil, go right outside the keep, take a transit shrine, die, go to a forward camp, and fight for an hour. It's fun. Or... I could ride for 15 minutes, die, ride for 15 minutes, die, ride for 15 minutes, log out. Really? That's not fun. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And the only thing I'm going to say is with for, with the re- reduction in number of forward camps, I think it adds a lot to the tactical benefit and it breaks up the Zerg a little bit. Because having a whole Zerg run back to a keep from far away, it, it does hurt prog- you know progression in the zone. Now... The reason why I think they're doing that is because being able to break a siege provides you the ability time to repair the keep, you know, a little bit more tactical. Maybe people start breaking up their zergs a little bit to prevent people from just spawning right back at the forward camp, you know, unless it's well, a hard push. Is that because routing a zerg without a forward camp essentially halts them? They have to say, well, maybe I really don't want that keep if I have to run. All the way back to it. If you want to stop Zergs, make AOE caps. 
So you can't just AOE damage someone instantly. Then people have to focus target and actually use maneuvers instead of just impulse spamming as a big ball. That's how you get rid of Zerg mentality is remove the AOE cap. So damage is capped at one specific number and you actually have to focus on a target and use it. That's a lot of people want AOE caps. But I don't know. I, there's, I'm sure there's a really good, valid point for this. It's just not my thing. Mm. Okay. Uh, the next thing, buffs will be local to campaign only and only for PvP. <clears throat> They're considering how to, to handle this for PvE. As a PvE player, thank you, because I don't want to be stupid Albemarle Dominion in order to get all my buffs it's so I can do trials and stuff, because you do get yeah. a considerable advantage for having all the buffs oh 20 percent crit yeah it's re- it's it's stupid yeah. um okay <laughs> so yeah i i like that they are removing that and we'll make it only pvp so that's good um face what do you what do you think about that i have no comment i'm not really a pvp player and i don't really notice the buffs no well that's because we never have really? them because we're um Ebenhart filthy Ebenhart. Uh, whoa, buddy. Filthy, <coughs> filthy drunk. We actually filthy, do have all of them today. Elves. Today oh. we do have all of them, but in, as a whole, Almari Dominion has almost everything. I support mass Don't. genocide of all the elves. I'm fine with Don't that. Don't make me fla- uh, flash my crit. <laughs> so, right, someone on my guy goes, how much crit did you have? How did you get that? I go, what's your alliance set to? I haven't set one yet. Okay, set it to Hatteras. Oh my gosh, 20% crit. Yep, best best tip I've ever given you. That's, yeah, I'm glad they're removing that. I really am. Yeah. Future updates. Oil pot adjustments. They are aware oh. of the ways that pots are currently used, and adjustments will be made to enforce a minimum pour distance or some other control. Elder Scroll bonus changes. Population imbalance adjustments. Crashes on both the client and server side. Spirits of game antics, spies, trolls, and guesting issues. Okay, so, yeah. Oil pot. Delta, uh, what do you got for that? It's super overpowered. I mean, the problem with oil pots is if they're supposed to be overpowered when you set them up top of a keep, but you can, like, put them out in the open and then someone tries to get you and you one-shot them. It's just, it's cheesy. I don't like it. So I think if they, you don't have to nerf the damage, but how you place it, I think, needs to be changed. Yeah, you want to place it up a stairs when people come try to take your keep, but placing it out in the open at a choke point so you can just kill everyone, I think it's just a little bit cheesy to me. But um, they'll fix it. And then the other point, major one was, um, what were they again? Elder Scrolls bonus changes, oh. population imbalances, and crashes. You're talking about the- trolls and stuff i mean people are getting second accounts so they can just see who's at what and then they read zone chat i mean that's always going to happen but uh, i don't know what they're going to do about that crashes and the graphics have gotten so much better after the particle effects changes so much better i'm very impressed by it i mean i'm not getting 60 frames a second but i can be around 200 other players and i'm getting 30 I mean, that's a huge difference, especially if I'm streaming, too. I mean, the quality is right there. So they're improving a lot, and I haven't had much crashes. Now, some people's computers can't handle it. I get that, but um, much, much better. Excellent. Okay. 
Imperial City. The city is basically just a PvE zone with PvP. The sewers. Super large public dungeon. Districts contain capture locations with PvE events. Difficulty is tuned for one to two players at high level. Each campaign has their own Imperial City. All three sides will potentially have access at the same time. Access is gated by controlling your six home keeps, making defending and home security more important. The population cap is shared between Cyrodiil and the Imperial City, so as one side floods into the city, their power in Cyrodiil itself will wane, allowing other alliances to retake less defended objectives. What's inside the city? Districts. Temple, Elven Gardens, Markets, and the Arena. New armor sets, plus the new Zivkin crafting style. Six new eight-hour buffs from the Divines. These are similar to Munda's stone buffs, but temporary. They are AoE hmm. beneficial, so if you have a buff, it will affect all your nearby allies as well. Wow. Lots of enemies to kill, get money, experience, and loot. White Gold Tower itself will not be initially accessible. At this point, Brian showed a live gameplay demo, running through some of the areas of the sewers in the city itself. Arenas. Sewer respawn point is a safe zone. You drop off a ledge into the water below to join the action. Anchor pinions in the city districts have three sigils which control it. Deactivating a pinion sigil involves a brief sojourn into Cold Harbor to defeat some of Molag Ball's minions. Each of the pinion sigils have a beam indicating their current control status. To capture the entire district, your alliance needs to control all three sigils. When the anchor control switches from Molag Ball to one of the player alliances, the anchor is replaced with a small war camp belonging to the controlling alliance, and players are able to respawn in the control district on a safe, elevated platform. The Arena District contains a wave event similar to Dragonstar Arena, but with certain alternative mechanics because it is a public and PvP open event. Rewards from the Arena event are awarded to the group that earns the kill on the final boss, so PvP can certainly play a role in earning these rewards. Okay, that's pretty awesome. So first up, of course, you know, we got a big public dungeon in the sewers, uh, districts to control for PvE-related stuff, that's actually really, really cool, being able to go in and hold those districts. The thing that I noted was all three sides can potentially have at the same time. So when a campaign, like, starts, and you have all... Each person has all six... All three sides have access. So you could all go in. So it's just maintaining your home keeps inside is all that matters. And then it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. Now, um, home keeps inside, do you mean... Is it the home keeps that you have to crown the emperor, or what does that mean? Uh, the home keeps are the ones that are actually closest to your 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 side. So it's not in Cyrodiil. No, is it that... is in Cyrodiil, but it's the keeps that are you, the ones you need oh, to crown the I emperor are the six right. that surround the imperial city itself. So you need to defend the keeps that you have in order to get this. Yes, the <laughs> opening is that's... only available if you have the six keeps in your triangle of. That's Cyrodiil. cool. That's yeah. cool. So by blocking access, if I go over and just take one home keep in each location, we block their access. Yeah, but I can see a problem with this. It's just going to be, I know what the players are going to do. Aldemary is going to get one. Ebonheart's going to get another. And then Daggerfalls is going to get another campaign. And no one goes and messes with that. So basically everyone can have access. That's the problem is that there's multiple campaigns. I'm calling it now. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but I could see that happening. Okay. 
Well, it, it's a possibility. I mean, it always is a possibility, but then there's always going to be that one guy who decides to be, uh, you know, or that one group who, even though it's the standard norm, decides, hey, we're going to troll them and goes and takes a keep in each location so they don't have it, you know, or, or takes just one keep in the Aldmeri Dominion zone so Aldmeri Dominion can't get in. Possibility, who knows. So, okay, so other than that, things we knew about the city already is the new crafting set. The thing that I didn't know about that I kind of like is the uh, eight-hour buffs of the divine. That's sick. Yeah. That's awesome. You go in, you get an eight-hour buff. That's beneficial to everybody. That's awesome. That'd be cool if they'd work outside in PvE, because that would give the PvEers incentive to take this over. Uh, According Uh, to this, I think it does. It's Once you have it, it's for eight hours, you have that buff. It's not just within Cyrodiil. So... That's, yeah, that's really awesome. Um, okay, so that's the Imperial City. There were some AVA questions. We'll go over these real quick. Maybe we'll clear up some of this. Can resources be made more strategically valuable? They have discussed this internally in terms of having the sources have a bigger impact on the strength of the keeps that they are associated with. Okay. Uh, will membership ever be a reflection of true leadership rather than pure rankings? This was discussed pre-launch. But the best call for launch ended up being to go at the leaderboard-based option. Uh, I'm going to interrupt this real quick. This is something where true leadership versus pure rankings. Guild War 2 had this where you could buy a commander book so that when you're in World v. World, you could have a, an icon above your head so everyone could follow you. Well, it cost 100 gold, which was expensive in the game at the time to get. Eventually, everyone had one. It still doesn't really – how do they show true leadership really? People just know who the true leaders are, and that's, that's when they voting. saw them, they followed them. I think voting or, or like if you're in, you lead a group, you get more points, maybe more AP or whatever the point is than the other people. So if you're always leading a 24 group, you should be able to get more emperor points, something like that. Because just playing infinite amount of time, that's not... You know, mm-hmm. leaderboards is who plays the most. It has nothing to do with, you know, or who uses a resurrect, uh, resto staff and runs around and heals people. Yeah. yeah I, I'd get Emperor if I just did that for 20 hours a day. Yeah, no problem. Right. Well, I mean, there it is the lesser of evils because you got to think about it. It's very hard. Yeah. Even, even your solution of being the leader, let's play. Gamers are selfish. No one's going to be actively wanting to go. Uh, let's let this person have it. You're right. You're right. You know, they'll be like, yeah. screw this. I'll make my own group. So I'm the leader. So you have 500 groups of two people running You're around right. because yeah. I mean, there are some people who are like, yeah, you know, some active guilds will actually go, okay, this person's emperor. Let's let him follow and he'll make sure we get him emperor. But as a whole, that's like the 1%. Most people are going to be like, no, no, if you get a bonus for being a leader of the group, they're gonna, you know, like, hell, for me, what I would do is I'd log in, be a leader of a group when Thais isn't playing, sit her in Cyrodiil, <laughs> invite her to my group, and just make her sit there because she's not playing. I'll just make sure her account stays logged in and I'll run around with a Zerg and get double it, you know. That's what will happen. So, yeah, but what else do you do? I mean, there has to be some way to. People that are in charge and running the thing have to get credit somehow. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was. The people who lead, you just, they follow. That's why you follow them. And people who have good leadership will have people who want to follow them. And that provides them with a large army in order to take keeps and stuff. And therefore, they will probably get Emperor because they'll, you get, you know, leader points by taking objectives. 
if you're a bad leader, people aren't going to want to join you. If you're saying, hey, I'm forming a group, people go, oh, I ran with him before. He doesn't know what he's doing. I've ran with Delta before. He's I've trash. ran with Delta before. Yeah, I avoid him. He's trash. <laughs> exactly. I mean, people know who the leaders are. That's that's how it goes. When I saw tags in Guild Wars 2 of so-and-so player, I'm like, oh, oh, I know them. They are fantastic. I joined their group right away. There could have been four other commanders on the board, but if I see a name that I recognize and went, I know this guy. He's good. I go with him. Yeah, but you had a nameplate above his head so you could see him, right? <laughs> yeah, well... Uh-oh. Okay, sorry. Did there. All right. Um, separating siege items in Cyrodiil from potion food uh, quick slut menu. Quick slut? Is that what you said? Quick slot menu. Quick slot. Quick slot menu. Quick slot. Okay, anyway. Brian will bring it up with the UI folks. Folks. It says folks. Folks. Whatever. It says folks. Possibility of increasing... You added a word that wasn't even there. I just pronounced the the, the letters in the word strangely. Folks. You were more wrong than I was. <laughs> but we're still wrong. <laughs> but it's, it's folks. It's whatever. It's, it's folks. folks. Right. Saying folks. There's no L in the word folks. Oh, folks. Anyway. Okay. Possibility of increasing the radius of defensive ticks. This varies on a keep-by-keep -keep basis based on where the resources are next to them. The areas would need to be repainted, which could be problematic if larger areas collide with the defense areas of the resource nodes. Okay. All right. I get it. Forward camps. Their role in Cyrodiil, how are they being changed? They are nerfing them first and possibly removing them later. Ooh. Oh, that's Ooh. terrible. Won't see me in there. Yeah, I'll never <laughs> I'll be, be done. All right. That's, that's kind of... All right. Alliance point progression and their role in character development. How will AVA contribute to character depth, additional skills, gear in the future? Basically, there are no plans currently to expand the role of AP and AVA progression. That That's kind of ouch. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that like skills and stuff like that, I don't like seeing PvP skills in PvE. Um, but they're, they're the best skills. That's the problem. Is yeah, like, well, that is the problem. That's barrier is the best defensive skill in the game. It is, and people. It takes do. forever to get. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I don't know. I think AP should still like. No one like. No one will do it if they don't feel progression. But that's beside the point. Well, I like the gear setup. Like you have to get it for gear. I mean, I, I guess the emperor thing is fine, but. Yeah, I don't know. I would think, what about achievements being tied to uh, uh, moving your assault or support up? Kind of like Undaunted. It's not. It's achievement-based. I think that would be cool. So like, you have to kill an emperor, you have to take a keep, you have to you know, move your rank up. And so you actually have to do objective-based things to get that cool skills. Yeah, that would be cool. Something to think about. There's not a huge incentive to owning the uh, Imperial City districts at the moment other than having access to a respawn point. You missed the question. You're reading the answer. Oh. Yeah, I am. <laughs> what is the incentive Oops. of owning all the Imperial City districts? There are large end bosses of the districts are in the sewers. There's not a huge incentive to owning the Imperial City districts at the moment other than having access to the respawn point. They are looking into options of how to better reward the alliance that controls each, di each district. Access to crafting set stations and other amenities might be access gated. What a great answer you just said. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Player motivation for participating in Imperial City versus Cyrodiil proper. What rewards are there for players? What about Alliance ranks? 
Chapter 24. They are looking into expanding the Alliance skill lines to include additional abilities as well as possible Alliance rank dependent tiers of gear, but there is some concern that this approach might be too elitist, favoring hardcore PvPers too much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Will they add new ways to level up quickly in PvP? XP has been tweaked up for player kills to four times the monster kills. The daily kill quest was changed because of the way players were gaming the system. All of the experience you can gain within the Imperial City is set to a high multiplier. Nice. And I don't you... think that's true. Well, they say it right now or they're in the future? I, this is things they're talking about probably in the future. Yeah, because if I kill a mob, it's the same veteran points as it is killing an NPC. It's nothing, essentially. Uh, do siege weapons work in uh, Imperial City and sewers? No, these are mainland Cyrodiil only. Okay. Um, exploitation, Emperor farming lag, disconnects, and crashes in Cyrodiil have frustrated a lot of players into quitting the game. How are you working to address these issues and how uh, and handle them quickly as they emerge in the future? A lot of time when we, Zas, see those behaviors, they try to take private, not public, action to correct them. Hopefully, improved channels of communication with player groups can help identify these problems faster in the future. Yeah, that's... I mean, other than lag and disconnects and crashes, those are all whatever, but exploitation, emperor farming, that's just something where, if you see people doing it, ban them. You know? I mean, people are gonna do it if they find a way of doing it, and that kind of that kind of uh, behavior should be penalized. You should know if I'm going to be emperor farming like this, I'm probably going to get banned. You know, um, possibility of dynamic population locks to try to keep the three sides more even. They have talked about doing some stuff like that, but no plans are currently in place. Improving the single-player PvP experience, ganking supply lines, checking out quest hubs, dungeons, etc. How do you plan to address this? And that wasn't in the right. And how do you see the Imperial City affecting this? Okay. There aren't any specific plans to add single-player-only content at this time, but hopefully they can address that player group in the future. You know, in terms of locking, they did this in uh, Warcraft with um, some of the big PvP zones where you could only go into the zone for the number of players who were in it. So if only seven Alliance were in the PvP zone, only seven Horde who queued up could go into it. They could do that for AD. Like... If there's only, like, five Ebonheart Pack, only five AD players can go into it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> That'd be funny. All right, well, let's talk about the last thing on the list. Uh, champion system and future veteran experience. Yeah, champion system. So, awesome. All right, Zoss has, been, uh, has to balance making players stronger while providing an ample challenge to players. This means a complete rebalance of the game and the ability... And ability mechanics is necessary. Current granularity of stats does not fit well with the addition of small percentage bonus. Adding 1% on top of base level of 40 isn't meaningful to a player. Simply adding points to soft capped abilities would be bad. So, benefits of the current system, as it is in the game now, is helps prevent bad builds. Uh, Deltia may argue that. Um, freedom of how to play allow players to go over limits. Okay. Problems with the current system is trade-offs are not pronounced, too easy to hit soft caps, and balance is harder with the current system. 
So part of the solutions that they're looking at is all your character stats, attributes, and damage values will be multiplied by 10. For example, health of 2,500 will become health of 25,000. This will allow small percentage bonuses to realize a visual impact on your character's stat lines. Soft camps are being removed entirely. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now, with this, I'm, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. because uh, Say hello to Delta with 500,000 hit points. <laughs> there are hard caps. That's one thing. They're removing soft caps, but adding hard caps where you can never oh. go past a certain level. Okay. And this is the next point. Impose some limits. For example, armor, physical resistance, caps at 50% mitigation. On live servers, this would equate to roughly 3,000 armor. So what they're going to do is they're going to hard cap it going, okay, if you spend all your champion points and all your stuff in one thing, you can hit a hard cap of 50% mitigation. But that's going to make you lack in spell resistance and blocking ability. But there's not going to be soft caps, but there are going to be dead hard caps, which will be very hard to hit. But if you hit them, it's going to mean sacrificing in a lot of other areas. Okay. Each source... Uh, a benefit to a certain stat has its own caps. For example, buffs, equipment, traits, will all uh, and more will each have their own independent maximum to contributing towards the overall limit. Meaning that if your overall limit of armor is three thousand, you can only get so much from having uh, like reinforced traits on your armor. So, in order for you to hit three thousand armor, you would need to have all reinforced traits etc etc once these changes are in place the numbers in abilities items enchantments and weapons etc will need to be changed uh compute rate limits such as dps and damage prevention and adjust npc and monster stats and abilities so what does this mean for the players as the truck goes by you have to make commitments to be best in a particular area more varied builds better inter dependence between builds and some abilities will have to change i.e. armor buffs will not stack itemization will be much more important and the dynamics of combat will change particularly at max level before we talk about it let's do some of the let's do this answer question stuff a little bit um actually no we're gonna skip that part because we'll talk about it um so champion system as it currently sits. Um, so yeah, no more soft caps. I know some people were kind of complained about that, but they are adding hard caps. Delty, what do you what do you feel about all this? The champion system as it is. It's it's very confusing to me. Um, if they were building a system that rewards players for having alts that did account wide things, great. If they're doing, it sounds like they're just doing a stock split. So for anyone who's not familiar with that, you split your stocks and it, the price goes in half, but you get two of them. So if they're making the health going from 2,500 to 25,000, they're trying to make a, every little point may make a bigger impact. I don't know. I think I just, I don't see this being valuable. I like the game the way it is. I think removing the veteran points, keeping armor somewhat, unique and having a way to tune all your characters over time would be good but let's say i want to play my nightblade as a ranged dps right now i can do that but if the champion system comes out and i want my main tank deltia to be tanky 
So I have to put all my stuff into tanky stuff. Well, now when I get on my Nightblade, it's a tank Nightblade. I don't want that. I like the individualism each character has versus an account-wide champion thing. Am I wrong with this? Because that's the way I get it, that you have to align your stars and blah, 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 and these things that affect every character, not just your one. That is No, that's not right. Um, Okay. It it, it is account-wide. So when you earn champion points... Um, and they talk about this a little bit after. Like, you have to be 50 to earn champion points, but it's account-wide. So let's say you earn 50 points, okay? Each mm. character can spend that 50 points however they want, okay? So oh, say Deltia spends okay. 50 I'm points, wrong. your next character spends 49, okay? You earn one champion point. When you log into Delta, he goes, oh, look, I have one champion point to spend, okay? You log with your next character who only spent 49, I have two to spend, so you have a pool that your account goes, you have a total total of 100 champion points. Each character can spend them independently. But each character contributes to, to get earning them. So if you're logged on to one of your other 50 characters leveling, you don't have to sit there and go, great, now I'm gimping my, uh, my main character because I'm not playing him. He's not earning champion points. No, you can earn it on other characters. And then when you log in, go, hey, I earned one while I was playing on my alt, and now I can use it on my main. So that I, you know, I was worried about that too, but they did actually explain that out. Uh, this next part talks about champion system where they go into it a little bit more. Um, and let's go over that before we dig into it a little bit. So the champion system is a new account wide system that allows your players to, your characters to evolve and progress past level 50. So it's an alternate advancement system. You spend champion points in the nine constellations. All characters on your account will get benefits you have earned, but your points can be spent on a per-character basis, as I just said. Champion experience is earned through regular experience points, so it's very transparent and the system makes sense. Earned veteran ranks will convert into champion experience, but there will be a maximum on the amount that you'll be able to convert. All characters on your account will uh, get the benefits you have earned, and you'll be able to respect your choices regarding Uh, how you spend your champion points. So if you decide, I don't want to be a tank anymore. Um, Now, with this system coming out, they're coming out in phases. So update 5 will reduce the passive stat boost from veteran ranks, but grant attribute and skill points for players to choose how to spend. So you'll get... That's pretty awesome, actually. Uh, The champion system will be introduced, um, and at first, both the champion and veteran systems will coexist for a short time, with the ultimate goal of replacing veteran entirely. In update 5, veteran ranks will convert VP to experience points, so experience points will be uh, the currency for character advancement throughout. Um, So, yeah, now that that kind of explains some of the worries you had, Deltia. Not really. I mean, how are you going to earn champion points? That's like ultimately how how am I going to progress my character past fifty? How experience. do I get them? Regular experience will go towards champion experience. So there's you, only one way to get them. Yeah, through but you gain experience however you whatever you are doing in the game when you're killing so, stuff doing. Okay, so I wanted a lot of champion points. Couldn't I just grind the thief every day for the rest of my life and be the best character? There's a hard cap to how many champion points you can get in the game. At some point, you will hit a cap. But, uh, yeah, you could, in theory, you know, go and do that. Yeah, I'm that's... just confused by it. I mean, it's going to have to come out, and I'm going to have to see it and play it. Because 
it's just a big, huge change in the game. Now, I'm not afraid of change, believe me, but getting rid of soft caps, you're going to... You know, once I see the constellation and see where I'm sitting at points-wise and to get a little more details on it, I just it's too early to really speculate, mm-hmm. I think, to be honest. Well, it makes sense. The thing that makes me reminds me of this is uh, how Guild Wars 2 did it, where you kept earning skill points every time you leveled after 50. So, like, 50 was the cap, so your character level never went, but every time you leveled, your re- your experience bar, like the experience it took you to hit level 50, reset. And every time it filled back up again, you got another skill point. Essentially, so, that's what's going to be happening now. You'll be capped out, but your, your champion level will keep filling, and every time it fills, you get a skill point. But what about, I mean, so my VR14 Dragon Knight is going to be somewhat as powerful as my VR7 Templar once this comes out. Right. Well, in, what happens with all those that legendary gear that I made? Well, what's going to happen when this comes out is they're actually going to take the experience you've earned on all your characters, and that's how you earn all your experience points. So your VR seven Templar will have the same amount of experience points as your other guy because it, it's a collective account wide thing. Hmm. Weird. Well, we'll just have to see it. I, did, I can't even get my wrap my head around what they're trying to do or the purpose behind it. Well, the ne- the thing that's kind of interesting is now they're bringing back the constellation system. So it rotates around with, um, I guess you have to put a point in each location, health, magic, and stamina in the various trees, whether it's warrior, lord, lady, etc. So that every time you, this is where I'm kind of funny on this. Like it starts on the health tree, so you have to put one in one of those warrior lore lady trees, and then the next point you can spend it in max. So you can't do all points in health. You have to kind of diversify a little bit, which is kind of this is the part that kind of baffles me, like how this is going to work. So it doesn't force you into a particular gameplay style, but it does make you kind of diversify your points. Now each. When you're in those particular trees, however, each one of those, Warrior, Lord, Lady, Mage, Ritual, Antronach, they have passives that you can earn, and there's ultimates that you can spend at the top of the tree. Meaning, like, if you put all your points in Lord, at the top of the tree, you may get a special ability that you can't get anywhere else. Oh, so there's ultimate abilities that are going to come with this? Ultimates. I don't know if it's going to be an ultimate, but it possibly could be ultimates. But yes, you will. Like if you spend. There's an ability. There's an ability at the top of the tree. All the trees below that are passives. Huh. What what do you got? Uh, It's written out right here. But but you're explaining it like strangely. Like I. Well, I'm explaining it not off of this write up. I'm explaining it off of. The thing I listened to earlier. This explains it so well. Each constellation has certain passive bonuses that you Mm. will unlock once Mm -hmm. you have invested a threshold number of points into that constellation. For example, putting 10 plus points into the Atronach constellation gives you an additional bonus named Merchant's Favor. If you spend 100 points in the Lord constellation, you earn Last Stand which grants increased ultimate when you fall below 20% health. There are special Hmm. passives unlocked at 10, 20, 30, 50, and 100 point investments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to continue? No, no, no. That's that's fine, but you do get, like, there's passives you put in to make it, like, Blade Master and stuff of those when you pick specific trees. But I know there was one particular thing called... um, 
like Shadow Strike or something like that, which was an ability you can use when coming out of stealth, that you had to put it in like the Thief Tree or something like that. Um, but yeah, like there will be special abilities and things, or you could just go all passes with the system. It's, it allows you to, I guess, customize your character in a specific way towards hitting caps, towards if you want to be a tank, you're going to want to take a lot of the traits and abilities that benefit tanking in a way, whether it be armor, physical mitigation, spell mitigation, things of those nature. And that's essentially the champion system as a whole. I know it seems like very confusing at first, but it it's honestly like what we currently have, but drop Skyrim's uh, skill system into it at the same time. I, I'll say this honestly, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't like it. I like the system we have now. It makes sense. Even though it's a little grindy, who cares? It makes sense. You're rewarded for spending time put into the veteran ranks. It, I agree. I, I this I am I am not looking forward to it because they're essentially changing the entire game. Yeah. Yep. Now I'm fine they, with it. I'm loving I, it. I not I because if this is what they wanted to do in the first place, why didn't it come out with this in the first place? Instead of getting us used to well, what's happening now and then going, whoa, 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 guys, 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 <laughs> we're just we're just gonna stop this and we're just gonna totally flip you guys upside down, and you're gonna have to learn this extremely convoluted. Confusing new system. Good luck. All I'm going to yeah, say is you who, can't the use players that who left, Say again, Deltia? The players who left because they didn't like the system left. They're not coming back to this game now that it's going to change. Especially not with a system like this. Yeah. I love this system. I really do. I think it's going to be fantastic. Like, well, I, I guess we haven't seen it, so I don't know. Once <laughs> it comes out, it'll be way different, probably. Yeah. It's just bizarre. It's a massive risk. Huge change. It, it's a revamp. It definitely is a revamp. But I, I, I'm excited for it. But as I was saying is uh, hindsight's, you know, 2020. You should tell that to the Tesla cable for why didn't we use that. Um, but Yeah, but then you, you could go the opposite route with, uh, you know, what is the, the first Jedi game? The first... Um, oh, Star that- Wars? Star Wars Galaxy. Yeah, with their combat. Yeah, they had a big... How'd that work? Killed the game. That's true. I I see where you're at. This is a... It is a big change. Um, It it definitely is a big change. A lot of it's a big change. Well, I trust these developers. I mean, they haven't steered me wrong. Guess I haven't agreed with everything. But they've been open, honest, forthright. Mm -hmm. They're trying to do the right thing, so... I'll give them a chance on that. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a lot of testing with this. And this is something where if you don't like this system or you don't think you'll like it, when it comes out on the PTSs and stuff, hop in, try it, and give your feedback. If a lot of people go, guys, this isn't what we want. This is not it. If enough people say this is bad, if it turns out to be bad, you know, they – They've done it already. They've already went, you know what, guys? You don't like our idea of uh, the veteran system? We'll change it for you. So if they don't like the idea of the champion system when it comes out, I mean, by that point in time, you could say, yeah, it might be a little too late for players, but those of us fans who stick with it, and we know they listen to us, so we can say, hey, we don't like it, and they may change it for us. I don't know. All right. Well, that was the end of the uh, Guild Summit for day one. Um we're going to go into our next section, which is our Tales section. So, Delty, what have you been doing in-game uh, this week? 
Well, I've been pretty busy with real life stuff, unfortunately, but I'll just tell the one story of beating Dragon Star Arena after the show. So I think we were on wave seven or eight during the show, and we just kept going and we beat it. We actually one shot the final boss after we changed one mechanic. Um, so it was really fun. It was so cool to finally get it done and a really good, challenging PVE experience. Like I hadn't ever really got before you know i really hadn't had that feeling where we're all screaming in team speak and just you know we stuck together and got it done and that was so much fun and we just like we're all get giddy little kids over it you know it's like accomplishment that's really what i did and then leveling the templar trying a new build out been doing a lot of pvp enjoying it um just you know trying to learn the Templar pvp wise and i've got a real fun exciting build that i'm gonna kind of highlight next week I'm ready for something new in PvP. Uh, the new system sounds really interesting with the city. I can't wait for that to be released or even just get on the PTS and so we can start playing with it and seeing how it's going to work. And if it changes the overall meta of the game, it's going to be awesome. Um, other than that, though, I really haven't been doing much. I've been trying to get together some people in different guilds and stuff and get stuff rolling. I mean, a lot of people do solo stuff, and that's okay, but there has to be someone out there that says, look, let's do group stuff. Yes, we might not beat trials the first time, but if you want to do some of this content, we're going to have um, weekly events or night nightly events, actually, Monday through Saturday. Um, you, of course, it's all Demary Dominion faction. It's going to be 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, but we're doing something every night, whether it's my guild, hard contact, you don't need to be in it to do it. So some nights we're going to just, you know, quest on lobby. Some nights we're going to go PVP during Saturday. Um, you know, but let's just start coming together as a community and doing stuff. This game, yes, it has one of the best communities in, the, in existence, but it feels like we don't ever do anything. So, and it could be just the people I hang around with, but if you're looking to do stuff and you're on the Aldemary Dominion faction, whisper me in game. We're going to start doing something every night. When it comes up, we're just going to do it. And you don't have to be good. You don't have to be fantastic. You can't be the best player in the world, but just try something. We've got to see some of this content all those developers are spending all this hours and time doing because it's awesome. So that's my rant for this week. All right. Excellent. Uh, well, for us, um, I'm assuming you didn't change anything on your character this week. Nope. <laughs> okay. All right. Me either, actually. Um, the Shocking. <laughs> what? It's shocking. I know. I'm kind of sad. Maybe maybe I should log in before we continue and just change one thing so I can talk about it. Why do you... Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. Because I need to have something to talk about. All right. So I have a note here saying still can't complete abandoned farm, but... Oh, this is funny. Yeah. So it's not really bugged. I'm just dumb, apparently. So why don't you, why don't you tell what happens at the fight? You remember what all happens? Oh, oh yeah. So we, we walked up to <laughs> Drodara's plantation, and that's it's kind of around there is where it happens. And the big guy was standing there, and, and Ag goes, why don't we give it another try and see if we can complete it? And I'm like, all right, you know, six time might be the charm. So we walk <laughs> up, and Ag dies, and I'm healing, and we're killing things. And finally, we kill the big guy. But we turn around, and there's someone attacking our ankles. And it's just this tiny little scamp. We're like, oh, we gotta, you know, kill this guy. So we we shoot him in the face a few times, and he dies. And wha-bam, we get the achievement. How the how the achieve or how the thing works is when he does summon, like the portal of oblivion opens. You know, he walks out along with like five or six scamps that circle him. 
we've killed the scamps before, but only the ones who were in our direct path of him. We, you know, because they were all around. So every time we killed him, we were like, "You kill the the boss mob," and we're like, "Hey, why didn't we get credit?" Well, you have to kill all six scamps that come out of the portal with him. And like when we got done killing him, there's one little scamp hitting up, hiding over by the the house that he get is summoned by. We killed it and we won. I'm like. We've never once killed all the scamps. We only ever killed the scamps who aggroed us while we've been fighting him or whatever. But when they come out, they come out and circle him in a very large circle. So they don't all aggro to you at the same time. So, yeah, that was that was kind of funny. Like we just we thought it was bug. We killed it like five or six times. And it was we just didn't kill everything. <laughs> so now we continued our questing again at Drodara Plantation. Because we left off there last week. We weren't quite done. We went and I guess we had to go gather up all his armor. Yes. Right? Out of several holes that he dug in the ground. Right. Um, so we did that. And after we after we get him and he's all ready to go and the, and the first Khajiit's like, we're ready to leave. But you got to convince our very last guy, an Argonian named, uh, was it Murkwater? Murkwater. But uh, what happens with Murkwater? You walk up to Murkwater and she she's kind of old and you're like, yeah, well, everybody else wants to leave. So we think it's time for you to leave. And she goes, I can't. See, I've been I've been holding in this secret for a really long time. And, and it's finally time for me to, to release this secret and, and, and to, to be what I'm really supposed to be. And then she drops the bomb. She goes, you see, deep down, I am actually a crocodile. <laughs> And and you're looking at her like, really? You're a little crazy there, a little senile. Um, I don't know about that one, but okay. So then you ask her a bunch of questions like, are you sure you want to be a crocodile? Like, is this, is this? And she's like, yes, I feel the calling. My crocodile brethren want me to join them. And again, we're, we're kind of inching away from her going, all right, all right. So then she says, there's a ritual that we can do that will restore her to her crocodile form and, you know, roots. So we have to, like, go around and collect some stuff. And, and we go back to her, and, and she's like, okay, now when I, when I turn into a crocodile, my crocodile self will try to eat you. But my, my crocodile spirit might remember who you are. Might, mind you. But here's a talisman. If I wander too far because I see something, you know, bloody and delicious, just, you know, hold this talisman and I'll run back to you and possibly not kill you. And to com- completely make the transformation, I need you to avenge this plantation by killing the leader of the bandits that attacked us. And we're like, all right, you know, that, that sounds good. Okay. Well, we killed it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, then we went up to her and killed the guy, and she became a crocodile. And the one thing that I thought was funny, though, is after we completed that, she, you know, walked off to with her crocodile brother, and we had to walk past where she originally was, and she's just sitting there in, in her Argonian form as an Argonian. Like, oh, um, all right, maybe it didn't work out. It bugged out on her, I guess. I don't know. Um, now we actually did finish the entire zone. Um, which was kind of neat. So we're going to kind of over arc all of this. Now I know one of the places we had to go was, uh, was Afrin's hold where we had to go in and, uh, we met someone from like, I guess he's a mage. He's like, I need to find his magic sword. Well, we kind of ticked off the mage. Cause when we got in there, the guy who took over 
was a warlord who was never there. He was always at war. And apparently while he was at war, his entire keep was slaughtered by the enemy. Along with his daughter. Yes, his daughter's a little peeved at him for never being there. Kind of like the daddy never loved me kind of deal. So in order to ease uh, family tensions, we gave the sword to her. (laughs) So that, you know, this is a sword that he loved so much, he never let anyone touch it. So he told us to give it to her and it would be kind of his way of apologizing. Well, they they make up, blah, blah, blah. The spirits are at rest. So we leave, and we find the mage again. He's like, so where's my sword? It's like, well, we might have uh, gave it to somebody else. So he kind of yelled at us. He's like, that's the last time I ever asked some random stranger on the road to do something for me. My question to that is, why would you ask a random person on the road to help you anyway? Like, I need this million-dollar sword. Can, can you bring it back to me? A regular person is going to be like, a million-dollar sword? I just made a million dollars. Yeah, right. Um, the next thing we went is we went to Windkeep, which is right next to it. And the current countess is being courted by a bunch of nobles in the area. Um, it was kind of neat, um, but... What happens to her? She starts acting funny. She sends all the servants away. And, and uh, I know I talked about this last week about Romina and Quagmire. But as the story goes on, we are, we're fighting our way through all the cultist work in Stormhaven. And I'm going to kind of rush through this next part because um, it all kind of ties together. Like we do rescue the Countess. Um, but kind of sad thing happens. The guy who was her lover, which was like the head of her servant or her servant quarters or whatever, he got killed by the person who... Right outside her front door. I know. We were just going to talk to him, too. It's like, hey, you should go tell the head of the, you know, my servants that I want them all back. And, you know, I'm sorry for being all weird. I was kind of possessed by, like, a daydream. You know, it happens. Um, So we go out there, and he's, like, laying dead. But as we're going through, like, we also have to go stop an ogre invasion um, with orcs and stuff like that. But the orc guy is then turning his army against Wayrest, and it's all part of Vermina's plot. Now, we go into her realm, and it's finally how I wanted it to look. Like, you go in, and it's got this weird little purple haze thing going on. You see all these rocky platforms. You got a little bit of swamp trees. There's all this water around you all over the place that's glowing like a dark purple. It looked pretty cool. I was like, now this is Vermina's realm. So I took a bunch of screenshots. I did. But yep, we managed to save the day in Stormhaven and now we're off to Rivenspire, I guess. So, yeah. Yep. So, that was our weekend game. That was a lot of fun, actually. Finally getting to finish off Stormhaven. I was getting kind of tired of being in Stormhaven anyway, so now we get to move on. Speaking of moving on, it's time to talk about our dramatic reading. So, this week, it's the second and third books in the series. We're doing two this week because one's just like a little nursery rhyme of the book set Shadowfen Lore. And uh, a little little treat for Thais is uh, Dust Shadow is about the shadow scales. Oh. Yeah, you'll like that. All right, Ooh. take it away, Thais. Okay. The first one is A Shallow Pool. A shallow pool is all I ask. Water for roots, mist and shadow, leaves lifting towards the sky. Gentle rain is all I need. Cloak of night, warmth and rain, murmurs in the darkness. A shallow pool is all I want. Memories held, old stories told, surrounded by children who call me their hist. Didn't even rhyme. Oh, well, maybe it's like a haiku kind of thing. I mean, maybe. Plus, know. an Argonian wrote it, probably. So? 
What does that have to do with anything? I think it, I implied what I what I meant. Uh-huh. Yeah. I cannot wait for race changes. I am becoming <laughs> the sexiest Argonian you have ever seen. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of like making a not angry Dunmer. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of <laughs> difficult, huh? Next one is Dust's Shadow. All she saw was the glint of moonlight in a straight, sharp line flashing into the man beside her. He groaned and slipped to his knees, falling sideways onto the ground. By the eight, Lormingo whispered in horror. A scaled hand clamped around her mouth, preventing her from saying anything more. It's over. A, ra- a voice rasped softly. A soft cloud of ash filled the air and she coughed, wondering why the assassin hadn't killed her too. When the dust settled, Lorminga realized she was alone. Only the smear of blood on the floor beside her indicated where her companion had fallen. And her, as her eyes adjusted to the darkness, Lorminga looked around carefully, alone. She lifted her unbound hands to her face and prayed. Kine, my goddess and guide, I thank you for saving me from the lizard folk, she said softly. We must return them to their masters. And for that, you must pay. Lorminga felt the blade slipping through her flesh before she saw the Argonian rise beside her. Her mouth moved soundlessly, and her hands clutched at where the weapon had pierced her throat. I had no proof you were involved, woman, the Argonian said, wiping her blade on on Lorminga's shirt before sheathing it. Thanks for admitting your guilt before I left. This journey would have been inconvenient for another shadow scale to take so soon. As Lorminga sank to the floor, the shadow scale assassin added, We are all a part of the pact now, except for traitors like you. And then the assassin, like Lorminga's life, was gone. Probably something to do with slavers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You like the Shadow Scales, don't you? I do. I love the Argonians <laughs> so much. So when you race change to an Argonian, if they ever let you do race changing and they introduce Dark Brotherhood, are you going to be a Shadow Scale? Are you kidding me? I think I might start to RP at that point just so I could be like the best Shadow Scale ever. Nice. Nice. Okay. Before I start the next section, which is our community spotlight, how do you pronounce that name? Emilita. Emilita. All right. So, we have a community spotlight. Esteldian and Emelita are starting up a training camp for VR dungeons on the EU server for those on the Daggerfall Covenant. If you've avoided experiencing the thrill of VR dungeons for any reason, such as lack the confidence in your ability or builds, too shy to join a bunch of strangers, scared of bumping into rude and obnoxious players like Deltia who <laughs> hurl abuse, or you just can't find a group to play with, then this could be the perfect opportunity to get some VR dungeoning done. The offer is open to everyone. It doesn't matter what class or role you wish to play. We can cover any and all. The purpose of this is to help people experience one of the great parts of the MMOing in MMORPG. So the priority is for those who have little or no experience with the VR dungeons, though if you have some experience but just struggle to get groups for them, you are of course welcome to join, uh, welcome to come along too, but please don't be don't be trying to use us just to get your VR achievements done. Okay. We cannot guarantee a flawless dungeon run, but uh, can promise a drama-free one. Well, that's, that's rare enough as it is. If Good interested... Luck. 
<laughs> just send an in-game mail to at Esteldian. That's A-S-T-E-L-D-I-A-N or at Emilita, E-M-Y-L-I-T-A, stating your class, your VR level, preferred role, and times most convenient for you to run a dungeon, and we'll get back to you and try to arrange a time to go dungeon diving, diving with you. In addition, if you are concerned about your build, after getting together and seeing your playstyle, we can offer advice on that too and help you refine it within the parameters of your design. So if you're trying to be an effective stamina DPS user, good luck Which with that. Isn't <laughs> Our build advice will not be go stab and dress. I like that, but it's still tough. Don't be shy. Come give it a go. After all, it costs nothing. So what's there to lose? So that's from our friends Estelian and his wife Emilita. So there we go. That's our community spotlight. Good luck, guys. I hope you have a lot of fun, and thanks for doing that. It's, it's nice that you're actually wanting to do that yeah. uh, for the community. So there you go. All right. Next up is our uh, guild corner, Deltia. Do you have anything you want to say about your guild? Hard contact. Um, I added a new calendar page. And I don't care if you're in the guild or not. If you want to group up and do stuff, Let's do it. We don't have to be in a guild and wear tabards and go crazy and do all this stuff, but we need to start experiencing this stuff. So my guild, Hard Contact, and the guild from ESOTR, Akatosh, are going to be doing nightly events. I put a tab on my website called Calendar. So there is no need to sign up on the website. There's nothing like that. If you're interested, all you have to do is kind of look at the calendar, deltiasgaming.com, see what's going on for the night, whisper me in game, or I have a couple officers whisper and say hey i want to join in let's let's do this we're also going to have some weekend times and everything else so if you're looking to do that just find me in game or whatever and let's just start doing things if we're full up on a group we're going to you know make a second group first come first serve type thing only one night a week are we going to do things based on you know progression which is dragon star arena when i say based on progression i mean you're going to have to be progressing and have that in mind it's not going to be a newbie type thing so even if you're vr7 but want to progress we'd love to take you and you guess you can be a stamina based dps but we're going to have to work on things and be willing to work with a team regardless of each person's strengths so that's what we're doing on hard contact if you want more information whisper me at d-e-l-t-i-a or you can talk to the java who at j-a-v-a who um, in game, send me a mail, whatever, we'll work it out. But come to my site, look at the events going on, let's start doing stuff. Excellent. Awesome. And as always, if you're interested in joining the Friends and Family Guild of Tales of Tamriel, you want to you say no, that? No, no, go ahead. No, you, you're copying along with me, so I figured you want to say it. No, yeah, you're good. Okay. Please contact at Agelos, it's A G G E L O S, or at Tear Eater, T E A. R-E-A-T-E-R in game for an invite. Make sure when you send a message to Tear Eater, you call her TJ and you'll get an invite right away. <laughs> awesome. Alright, so we had no emails, iTunes reviews or anything like this week, so uh, let's move on. Closing thoughts. Let everyone know what you thought of the episode, what your concerns are, because I know you. I'm the only one who's excited for Champion System. Um, and where they can find you. So, Thais, why don't you go? Again, Deltia and I are agreeing on things. I know. Like, I'm starting to be the offload. I, I don't know what is happening on this podcast. Oh. So the, it was, it was a, what? 
The world's changed. It is. It is. The world's is, is I know. Changing. You guys are both against me now. It's weird. Yes. <laughs> I, I am enjoying this very much. So, yeah, my final thoughts. I am so thoroughly not excited for the champion system. But for everything else that's coming out, totally excited. Just oh, so, so ready for it. Do you want to say where they can find you? Oh, you can find me in-game at Tear Eater, or you can find me on Twitter at TwitQueenThese. <laughs> nice. Awesome. And Deltia. This is Deltia. You can find me in-game at Deltia, T-E-L-T-I-A. You can find my website, Deltia's Gaming, D-E-L-T-I-A-S, gaming.com. Um... And so that's kind of where you can find me at Twitter, YouTube, but you can get all that stuff on the website. As far as final thoughts, a little concerned about uh, the next, you know, champion system, huge revamp. I like that they're taking it slow and not just one big, huge thing where they turn the switch and hope it works. So I trust these developers. I mean, come on. They are so open and honest. What other game would talk about this sort of stuff? And not really give a timeline. I mean, it's just great that they're actually open and honest with their community. They invited these people out and flew them out for free. Come on. This is great stuff. So stick with the game. I know a lot of people are checking out other stuff. Once this thing goes to consoles, it's going to be awesome. I really like the progression, the way the game's going. I think just a little bit more PvP would be beneficial. And once that new um, Imperial City comes out, I think it's just just the right time for it. So really excited about the game. Still having a lot of fun. Meeting great people. And just happy to be yapping about Elder Scrolls. Excellent. All right. And I am, of course, Agelos. Um You can find me in-game at Agelos. It's A-G-G-E-L-O-S. You can find me on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Agelos underscore W-O-F. So you can find me there. I thought uh, it was a uh, carb spammer 101. Carb spammer? Yeah. <laughs> well, I will be in the future because they're updating it to make it better with impulse. We'll talk about that next week. Oh, yeah. Hashtag, hashtag uh, cliffhanger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as always, like uh, we talked about it a lot this episode and it's not even all because that was only day one of the ESO summit. Next week, we're going to talk about ESO summit day two, which has even more stuff in it, like justice system and things of that nature. But I didn't feel like we could adequately go over all of it in one day. Um, so my final thoughts is I actually really like the champion system. So many games nowadays are dumbing down their their stats and the way you build characters to make it easy for everyone. I like it to be more complicated. So all this stuff that you can add to customize and make your character really you is something that really excites me because a complaint I had about the Elder Scrolls in particular, uh, well, I should say Skyrim and ESO in particular, was how how they simplified stats. They did away with the standard D&D stats and things like that to go with a more simple health, stamina, magicka thing. And I wasn't, even when they announced ESO, like while I was an Elder Scrolls fan, and I love Skyrim, I'm sitting there going, how is that going to work in an MMO? Just because it seems too simple of a, of a concept, too simple to go along, and it's just not the way that I like to play games. So having more complicated systems like this, I'm excited for. And I think once you see it, I don't think it'll be as complicated as it sounds. Like... And for those who are interested, on Reddit, somebody was nice enough to probably put their phone up and record the entire conversation about the champion system. And you can listen. It's about an hour and a half 
of the developers explaining it and stuff like that. And I was listening to that this morning. And it might help you understand a little bit more about where they're coming from with this. I don't think it's going to be as complicated as people are making it out, but will allow us to make characters who are more fit into a specific role. If you want to be a tank, you can really make yourself a tank, and that's what you can strive at. So that should make Thais happy, who's a role purist and doesn't want to mix and match. So she can really just go all out heal and be like, yep, nope, this is me. So that's why I was kind of surprised when she's like, I don't like this. I'm like, well, now you can really be an all-out like best healer in the game by really making your character like healing. I baffled me she didn't like it. But uh, yeah, those are my thoughts. I'm looking forward to it. And next week will be a lot of fun talking about all the other stuff, content, lore and zone, lore and zone creation, and the justice system. So uh, I do want to thank my co-host for joining me, as well as I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Having you guys out here really does make this for us. Um, if you wish to help support the podcast, you could feel free to donate via the PayPal link on the website. You don't have to only just do that. That's just for people who want to do things monetarily. There's a lot of ways. If you like writing guides, maybe you should talk to Deltia you know, on our site. It doesn't matter. Just we want to get word out there. If you really want to help support, casts or support the podcast, tell a friend. Say, hey, have you listened to this? You should. That You, know, you don't have money that you want to donate? Spread us around. That will help us out, too. Thank you so much. Spread us around like herpes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. Spread us around. That's right. Spread us around. I cannot believe he just said that. That's what happens. It's a live <laughs> show. Right. If you live wish to contact live. us with questions, comments, criticisms, the website for the show is talesoftamriel.com, or you can email the show at podcast at talesoftamriel.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tales of Tamriel, Facebook at facebook.com slash Tales of Tamriel podcast. Also, feel free to rate and subscribe to us via iTunes. If you didn't get to catch this show live, you can either listen to it on iTunes or you can watch the live stream on YouTube at youtube.com slash Tales of Tamriel. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a good night, everybody.